Wrestling Radio on the internet icon, the pride of the Pilgrims, handsome Jackie Jones. I lost my right-hand man, my audio soulmate, the enforcer of the Hittyverse. Mm, you forgot one, Jack, and that is the king of all the marks, one-inch biceps, the power goat. Ah, how about I that? Just, I just find that very rude. I like really? to call them, uh, yeah, the Hittyverse, they're equals yeah, those. Marks. Oh, man, and uh, joining us, uh, record-breaking twelfth time, which actually he beat his own record. The return of Sean Oliver of Kayfabe Commentaries, and he's talking about his new book, The Business of Kayfabe. It's very cool to have you back. Yeah, this is a commentary on my life in some way. That this is the twelfth time in uh, how many years would you say that would cover? Uh, I actually looked them up. And your first appearance was in August 2011, so eight years. Oh, you know, so on average, that's not bad. No, we missed. That's, we, there was right no appearance in line with uh, the amount of times uh, the average wrestling fan gets laid. <laughs> I think if you break twelve out over eight years, it comes to uh, oh God, what would that be? Who's good at math here? Somebody whip out a calculator. Anyway, now listen. I every time them. I talk to you, every time uh, I talk to you, you're you're closer to death. Right. In but, the last eight years. Yeah. There's that, been there's been yet another incident, has there not? Right. But I think now, actually, right now, I'm probably the healthiest I've been in for a while. But yeah, last year was very bad. Many many things happened uh, in personal life and uh, family, and then I got sick, and uh, so I found out I needed surgery. Uh, so started to, uh, to, I, I totally changed my diet. I stopped drinking. I did a lot of things. I, I've lost almost 80 pounds since November, which, which is, uh, I'm very proud of, but, uh, so Jesus. I'm doing fine right now. Like I'm, I'm feeling what did you do? How'd you do it? Just through illness? 
<laughs> no, was, I lost uh, o- over 50 pounds going into the surgery. I uh, just uh, honestly, it's not a. I say nothing crazy, but people said, well, it takes a lot to. But uh, I totally changed my diet. I'd weigh my proteins. I eat uh, seafood and chicken, mostly egg whites, uh, leafy greens, vegetables. I uh, don't drink. Uh, don't eat uh, non vegetable carbs. And uh, Sounds like I a party. Sounds like a party, Jackie. Yeah. Well, today, tonight I had, uh, see, I live in Cape Cod, so I had uh, pan-seared scallops, sea scallops. So I think that's oh, funny. I love scallops. You know, it's yeah. funny, if we were filming, like if we were doing like a montage of my appearances, it would be uh, me far slimmer and less gray calling in for the first time in 2011, and, you know, you the jovial, portly, bearded uh, circus performer you, you looked like at one time. And, mm-hmm. you know, then the second one, it, it changed. Eventually, like, you start to, like, lose parts of yourself. The 13th phone call is going to be you, your head in a jar with formaldehyde <laughs> right. with an Audio-Technica USB mic just, like, right up against the glass. Uh-huh. So, yeah, this is the first time you hear without – I don't have a belly button anymore. I lost my belly button in the uh, surgery. Well, shit, of all things to lose on your body, it's uh-huh. probably the most expendable. Why – you know, beyond birth, why do you need it? You really don't. It's, it's, you don't, exactly. You know, it makes quite, for quite a, you know, uh, an impressive naval lint collection. But other than that, there's nothing There's nothing you need it for. You, you remember um, Nash, when Nash was on my uh, uh, Breaking Kayfabe, I think it was, he said, I don't know what the hell we were talking about. That show's my favorite just because it goes anywhere. And he says to me, uh, he goes, you know, when you look at the... Uh, ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Why does Adam have a belly button? (laughs) (laughs) And you could probably, this is one of those like spark up a joint moments, I guess. And you could probably debate that for a while, but a Nash of all people brings that up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I asked the surgeon if they kept it because I wanted to to, like bring it home and like make a wallet or something with it. But uh, he didn't really find oh, the humor. A little, a little Ed Gein, perhaps. <laughs> right, uh, right. But apparently they. How the uh, hell they big was your belly button that you wanted to make a wallet? Well, I thought you know I thought there'd be other skin and stuff, but you know it's it's gone. By the way, uh, for people who care, the uh, surgery was I had twelve hernias, so they had to uh, and one large one that was being strangulated, so they had to uh, totally. Uh, they they um like filleted my uh my stomach muscle like a like an Asian fan, so it would spread out and then they put uh, cow tissue. So I'm apparently like part bull now. Good for you. And, yeah. If anyone's still listening, um, <laughs> it, that's one hernia for each of my appearances. You realize that? <laughs> exactly, exactly. For some reason, you weren't on in 2013, but twice in 2012, uh, twice 2011, once 2014. Once 2015, 2016, 2017, and twice in 2018, but one was on uh, the horse. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I think in 2013, uh, what might explain the absence, I think You Shoot China was released that year, (laughs) and our company fell completely off the radar. Right, right. (laughs) You're like, we don't want want to plug this one. Yeah, well, who are those guys? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I really enjoyed the, the book. Uh, not just because you're here, the business of kayfabe. Uh, when did you start to write it? What what were you hoping to accomplish? I started writing it about six years ago, and um, it was going to be just kind of a straight business book, 
culling examples from the company, of course. It's the only frame of reference I had. And I, I kind of went back and forth with myself a lot, like, who the hell am I? This isn't exactly, you know, Richard Branson giving sagely advice. But, um, but I had to be honest with myself that, that from just a discussion, a what-if discussion with Anthony about what if we recorded these commentary tracks for wrestling matches, from that, you know, projecting outward six or seven years or whatever, we, we'd done like a million dollars in revenue. And I was like, there is a story. There is a story there. It justifies my lessons learned being being told for anyone who who wants to hear it. Just the um, and the and really, Jackie, the simplicity of of what we're doing. I mean, we're not splitting the atom. We didn't create some some app or some gizmo that people can't get through their daily lives without. Mm-hmm. So I, it it was kind of a fascinating story in that we're getting wrestlers to tell their secrets, and it tapped into such a passionate vein in people that we became rather quickly uh, like the major players in the market, and and not even close. It's like we kind of redefined, and everyone always flames me for getting on and like whacking myself off in front of people. But I'm just telling you how it is. I mean, we we redefined that market and paid the price for it down the road. Certainly, as you read later in the book about how many others were able to take what we did, and just go so much further with it because of market share and money, like WWE Network and whatnot. So I started it six years ago. As a business book, then um, I released Kayfabe, my first book, um, about a year and a half ago now, and uh, it did so well, unexpectedly, very surprisingly, and uh, people were asking me very quickly for a follow-up, and I had had the idea to do uh, Father's Blood, which was the second wrestling book that I did, but uh, people were demanding I get back to... I guess just telling stories about my daily life in the company and then the, the strangeness that ensued, but I didn't want it to just be another kayfabe. Mm-hmm. So I thought if I smashed these two together, if I took what I'd begun six years ago as the business book, but um, included so many more examples of both highlighting the successes and the, failures that we've had it would make it would serve two masters it would tell the stories and all the behind the scenes stuff that people enjoyed about kayfabe but also hopefully serve as something useful for anyone with a passion for something and that was the whole hook that this business was just an outgrowth of two passionate fans of the wrestling aftermarket we watched shoot interviews we watched the product on tv and we said you know it'd be fun to and interesting to try this, and so that was the the angle of the uh, of the business of kayfabe because there there are so many people that are knowledgeable and passionate about niches in the world, whether it be uh, you know fishing, collecting uh, flesh wallets, <laughs> and uh, through knowing uh, extensively about your niche. I feel, and I think it's been proven in big business, certainly in many of the examples I put in the book outside of the wrestling industry, passionate creators 
though they may not see the the product or company through for its duration, companies that are started by passionate visionaries or just passionate participants in the market have such a better shot than big businesses uh, desire to just get into a certain market. Hey, wrestling is profitable. Let's try to do something wrestling related. Well, I'll put my money on a wrestling fan that starts a little company or a little website somewhere or a little podcast somewhere. I put my money on them before the big business, the big multi-million dollar company, just trying to capitalize on something. Mm -hmm. It might be too early yet, but do you know if there are any non-wrestling fans who have read the book uh, just, you know, to read about like a small business uh, growing? and maybe get some ideas of what to do and not to do? That's a good question. It's only been out a couple of weeks now, so yeah. I, I haven't gotten the full... Uh, the, and, and, you know, the, the audio book is still about what was it, a week and a half or two weeks away. And that usually, for some reason, in this, in this market, um, I think people still prefer to read fiction holding the book or the Kindle. But... Um, Nonfiction is a huge, huge audiobook market, so I'll probably hear uh, much more feedback after the uh, if the audiobook. It accounted for probably fifty percent of the sales of uh, of Kayfabe was on mm-hmm. audio. Yeah, I've said before, and you're on. I'm a fan of audiobooks, so uh, like I'm a member of Audible, and uh, I usually like to listen to them while I do something else, and uh, yeah. so it's so you can you know multitask or if I'm like on a bus trip or something, I can listen to one. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is that it's, it's, there are too many inopportune times to whip out a book in our busy lives, but you know, everyone's got their cell phone on them all the time. So you can always feed your brain with, uh, with a piece of literature driving whatnot in the shower on the bowl. You mentioned Anthony and you go a little bit, you know, uh, you guys are both wrestling fans and, and started the company, but like, how did you know, did, how long did you know him before you started Kayfabe? Um, we had a, in college, we went to different colleges, but while we were in college, we had a musician friend in common. I think so. We met after one of the gigs out at a diner late at night and, big table full of people and we just ended up across from each other and somehow wrestling came up and he mentioned you know what a mark he was and was talking about the dirt sheets and um so we started talking there and then soon after that uh i i was cast in a movie and we we both knew the director and they hired him to be the videographer like the set videographer taking like documentary type footage behind the scenes footage. And I was, I had a a lead role in the film. And so when they were putting us up, I was like, you know, we, we roomed together in the hotels for, uh, for the duration of the shoot when I didn't have, uh, girlfriends visiting, uh, Anthony and I roomed. And so we, you know, that was, I think that was probably the first time I'd seen a dirt sheet. So I'm talking like 95 probably. And um, so like he had like the torch and the observer. And I just like, I, I tore through them voraciously. Like each time we'd be at a location, he'd, you know, bring another pile from home. And I was like, holy shit. And um, yeah, that, so that was, that was how we met. And then I guess 2007 is when, so 12 years after that, we ended up launching 
KC. Yeah. How cool was that when you discovered uh, the dirt sheets? Because I remember, you know, I was just read the after mags, but then when like I started to read uh, the sheets, it was like, wow, this is you know completely different than you know reading uh, some fake uh, interview with somebody. Yeah, it was like you got invited into a club, you know that 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 previously was was impossible to get into, and um, I, I just couldn't believe that all this information had been ready, readily available out there for all this time in the dirt. I think Meltzer started the Observer in like '87 or something like that, right? It was much different back then, but yeah, but um, but the fact that inside information had been available for so long, and I still hadn't come across it, so even the the, the the crack in the wall to, to peek inside was still was still shrouded from so many of us. It wasn't until well, I guess when did when did like internet radio start to pop? Like IATA and those those. I think first... around I think around two thousand. Okay, so yeah, so that's <laughs> when I think it just exploded and like mm-hmm. the ratings wars and all that stuff. It just be, it, it supplanted mainstream talk. If you were talking about wrestling back then. You were talking about the inside stuff. It totally flipped uh, on its head. You weren't really, I mean, you were talking about what went on on TV, but you were talking about it in terms of, you know, uh, a swerve, and, you know, the, you know, oh, that was a great booking decision. And so, like, even the, the lexicon changed completely how we talked about wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you know there's a lot of parallels. I'm reading the book about, you know, how things change and then, like, the, the proliferate uh so many like uh shoot interviews pop up and all these things and you know when we started the show in 2005 it was actually predating podcasts and then they just you know took off like crazy so you know it's uh and i think uh people read it even if they, they don't do podcasts or whatever you know they might be able to find parallels in their own lives or what in their own business between uh between the two yeah it's it's i think there are plenty of valuable nuggets in there and it's it's certainly the business advice is not really specific to wrestling mm-hmm. it's um any small business that the, the only qualification really that's in there is the book was originally called the business of blood it, it, blood meaning the the passion that you have for a particular niche or a particular um uh, a field or area and if you if you've got a, a, a if you're a passionate participant in something, whether it's collecting GI Joes or, or wrestling, you've got insight. You're you're a fan first. The stuff you make is going to be the stuff you want to buy. And if you are the prototype for that niche, people are going to find you. You're going to be speaking to them, provided it's of quality. And that's what a, a, a you know larger portion of the book goes into. It's not just creating it and building, but maintaining it. It's, it takes work to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's uh you know the, the the best example about the creation of a company born out of passion and i included it in the book was espn where it kind of a for the time now anyone who's you know 30 years old doesn't remember life when cable was new and mtv played videos music videos but like a 24 hour sports station and not NFL or Major League Baseball back then. ESPN was airing like Australian rules football, which I guess is rugby. I don't know uh-huh. what the difference would be. It looks like rugby. And like these really small college colleges and their football games and real offbeat sports and, you know, this world's strongest man shit. And 
to take the risk to make that a 24-hour channel, to make the investment to run 24 hours and shoot 24 hours worth of sporting events mm-hmm. was was a, was a big risk and a crazy risk. But what happens is there's a certain point where the innovators and, and the pioneers is the example that's used in a, in a great book called uh, ESPN, The Company. And I cite that book as the first time I'd heard this, where the pioneers at a certain point have to get moved aside and the settlers have to come in. The people that can set up the government on the land and talk about uh, boundaries and taxes and those things. The lunatics that got on the boats in Spain and came over here and slaughtered uh, the people that were here, they're not fit to run things. They find it. They they happen upon it, but then the settlers have to come in. And it happens in most companies, and certainly in ESPN it did. Uh, Bill Rasmussen and uh, the, the other two that founded it, names escape me at the moment, uh, they were moved aside and then the business managers come in and they're able to grow that second phase where a company is taken and, and grown beyond what the, uh, beyond what the pioneers were, were able to do by first founding it. Mm-hmm. When, uh, when we started the show in 2005 at the time, like, like I said, there was a podcast, but there were radio shows, and most of them were on the regular radio, but also stream online. And uh, and so we're added to this website, AudioWrestling.com. And, like, all the established shows who were, like I said, were on regular radio, they they hated us. They would they'd have, like, wars with us and call us names. And uh, so when you started doing the, the shoot interviews, did any, did, like, any of the, uh, the established uh uh, shoot interviews uh, have problems with you? Never to our faces, um, but word would always trickle back from other workers or Eric Sims, who cannot wait, super agent Eric Sims, to hang up the phone with you and then call Incher and tell you exactly what you just <laughs> said about him. Mm-hmm. So I'd get calls from him, and and you know he'd be like, "Oh, I just talked to so and so who's uh, booking a shoot with me. Or, oh, they're worried about you, brother. Oh, they're, they're changing things up for sure. They're taking notice of you." You know, so I used to get those kind of things. And I don't know if it was him winding me up so that there'd be some kind of bullshit indie feud, <laughs> or in in some way. Well, you know, if it's Eric saying that, it's in some way trying to drive a price up. In uh-huh. some way, actually, just talking about him for the last thirty seconds, like my bank account, I think went down eight dollars just mentioning <laughs> his name. Um, uh-huh. So that kind of stuff would happen, and there would just be kind of like interesting looks. We'd run into some other producers, and they'd be like, uh, "So, like, um, were you a wrestling fan when you were like trying to figure out like where the hell we came from?" Almost like, you know, like when Donnie Brasco first showed up in the Lucchese family, and they like, "Well, where are you from?" Uh, yeah, what are you, you know, ne- never being outwardly rude, but but looking for information exactly who the hell you are and what you're doing and where the hell you came from and why is everybody talking about you? You know, that was just kind of the thing when we, when we first showed up, the, the talent loved it because it, it, we were, we were trying new series and trying all these new things. So it was another opportunity for paydays for these guys and to do something a little different. Remember at the time when shoot interviews first started and before we came around, their options were a wrestle B sit and talk about your career for seven hours straight through. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And once you did the shoot interview for that company, there was really nothing else. Cause you, you talked about your career, your life, your training, and went from 
soup to nuts, and that was it. So unless you were getting called back to wrestle somewhere, there weren't many options. But we started doing this programming catered to showing these guys individual personalities, whether it was a historical-type show, like a timeline where they could sit and go over a year, just a specific year in a company's history, or something fun like you shoot where they could let some of their natural personality and their quit wit be spotlit a little bit. Um, these guys had all these new options again to be performers. They loved working with us. They loved what we did for that segment of the industry when we started doing shoots. Mm. Now, by the way, actually, I have a question here from Eric Sims. He wants to know... Uh... Any stories about him falling asleep on the ESS chair just off camera view? And, you know what? Uh, whenever, it always... happens, <laughs> uh-huh. whenever it happens, I try to now put it in the show, particularly when there's snoring involved. He <laughs> that was will, and I, it's beyond the commentary on rudeness. The, in the middle of one of his talent that he has brokered the deal for, brought them out, sold them to me, sat down in a room, and once they begin talking, talking, he begins snoring over them. It's absolutely incredible that anyone like this continues to work in this industry, but look <laughs> at the industry we're talking about. So yes, Eric frequently falls asleep just off to my right. I will occasionally make note of it. I can't remember the last I think, uh, oh God, there was one recently where, I don't know if it was Manny Fernandez or... I say recently. We haven't been shooting much lately. We needed a little break after 12 years, for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Um, how many times can you ask about Batista's dick before it gets old? <laughs> yeah, I noticed, though, you know, when we had you on last, you talked about uh, break. And then I was reading the um, your forums, and, you know, a lot of people are asking about uh, when new stuff's coming out. And I did notice that you have uh, um, some new stuff coming out. So are you getting back into doing the uh, the videos? Well, the story is we need to move to an all-digital model, and we needed to get on the new KC Vault platform, which which we are now. We were the original one was at like a rotating schedule of shows. We wanted to offer more content for less. So, in order to do that without incurring many more fees, we needed to move to another vendor, and uh, we did in pivot share. So we needed to transition our existing Casey vault. That's our subscription, uh, service our Netflix style model. Um, we needed to move those viewers over to that to phase out the original vault. So now we have uh, Casey vault dot which now I think we can finally get back to the, the regular streamlined URL. The other one I think is finished. I have to confirm this week. Um, so we needed to get that done. We want to get our new programming released on uh, streaming, mm-hmm. uh, but also downloads. We have to go through and see what the package is going to be for the new programming. That's, that, that was the biggest question in the past year. We didn't just want to continue to, to clog the system by shoving out stuff in, in 17 sure. different formats streaming and dvds and downloads and on demand i mean they were they were dropping and 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 it was it was not it was becoming it was at one time a great option for fans hey however you want to watch this we have it there for you but what started to happen was that the pricing model and this is discussed in the book people would prefer to get to just live with one particular mode 
of delivery for their content and pay one price for that. I mean, that's the Netflix model, for lack of a better term. There's, of course, Amazon Prime and all those others. But, but people tend to like that. I, I make one payment, one place, and that's where I can expect my stuff to show up. So we wanted to try and meet that market. So that's what we're in the process of doing now. So um, we do have some programming already in the can. We are shooting in April. We have a shoot confirmed with Billy Jack Haynes, who's going to be doing a breaking kayfabe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so we're, we're going to continue to produce stuff, but we just had to get straight for the next, whatever it's going to be, five, ten years until the model changes again, how we're going to deliver this stuff. Cost effectively for us, it doesn't make sense for us to drop it in, you know, 17 different uh, uh, delivery modes when each of them cost us something, when folks really prefer one or two. So we had to figure all that out and, and get pen to paper, and that's yeah. what we're doing. Bombshell tonight. That's going to be a good one, Billy Jack Haynes. Yeah, but i I got to tell you, I, <laughs> he's been offered before, okay? Uh-huh. And I've, I've, I've always hesitated. I've seen the videos you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I've seen his self-produced. There's one... <laughs> God bless him. I don't know what's going on on his head in this one, but there's one. I think he's wearing a blonde wig at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just talk about I, Austin I, in that one. In, in yeah. the one with the okay, with the wig, yeah. So I just, I you know, I was having flashbacks of like the Jamie Dundee shoot, and I was like, I how am I going to steer this? But yeah, for history's sake. Jackie, we have to do stuff. We have to be uncomfortable sometimes for history's sake. Uh-huh. So that's, so thus, we are committed to breaking kayfabe with Billy Jack Haynes. Mm-hmm. And there was, um, <clears throat> I don't want to give away too much of the book, but you know, there's some interaction with Jim Powers and, uh, and the Nasty Boys at the beginning of the book. And uh, uh, so will we ever see anything with the Nasty Boys? And have you, have you done anything with tag teams? Demolition, we had oh, together right. for an edition of Ringside, one of our canceled series. I do a whole section in the book, for those of you that would like to read about our failures. I do an entire section and, and give it as much spotlight as I do our successes. Since people think I'm a blowhard like Gene Simmons or something. Um, I will talk about our failures like uh, Music from the Elder and Ringside. Um, so I do talk about our canceled series demolition did one episode of that i'm trying to think if i ever put if we ever put a tag team that might have been the only one now that i Mm -hmm. think about it no 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 no. rock and roll express did a timeline wcw 1986 um yeah those might be the only two would that ever be a series just like tag team stuff uh i i don't see why she seems one of those. I used to I used to use that as an example when people would bring up, "Hey, what about this for a series?" I'd I'd always cite like an example from one of the other shoot producers that uh-huh. like did some just for like thematic reasons, put like, "Oh, th- this is a show, three wrestlers named John," you know, and it was like <laughs> th- there didn't seem to be a real strong thematic point of view to that. I don't know how the dis- – I guess I could talk about tag team wrestling and how it's different, but that, that would be like a 10-minute discussion. I don't right. know what the rest of the show would be. One mm-hmm. of the things about the subscription model where – you know, the network model, let's call it, where people pay fourteen ninety nine for the KC Vault and they get 
you know, 200 hours of programming or whatever. We now don't have to, whenever we shot something, we used to have to definitively determine that A, it could sustain a two hour discussion and B, it was worthy of a $20 a la carte single program purchase, like going to the movies and buying a ticket for one film. But now with a network model, I could shoot a seven-minute segment going food shopping with Paul Orndorff and just put it up as right. one of the you know 200 hours of programming. So that frees us up a little bit to invest in stuff that doesn't have to work as a standalone feature-length program. We can have these fun little snippets of things that come to mind. So yes, maybe there could be a tag team show where we're in for 10 minutes. I talk about how to give the hot tag. <laughs> right. I, I like the part of the book where you went over <clears throat> just ideas that you didn't even, you know, go forward with. Like, uh, I won't say them all because you read the book, but a uh, house show was one that that I thought was a very bizarre idea. I loved that. And it, it was one that, listen, we talk about things at the meetings for a long time and make sure everything is really set before we announce anything. The worst thing to do is to have to pull the, the carpet out from under uh, viewers who are expecting something and then tell them it's not to be. So we try to get all our ducks in a row. We make sure the show has a real strong point of view. I'm, I'm, it, it's very important to me that there's a real flavor to every show. And it's, it's a nebulous thing and it's a hard thing to describe, but you just know it when you hear it that, oh, wow, this is going to be, have a real strong identity in the marketplace. So after we talk about it and tweak it and one of us pitches it and we fight about it and hate each other for a while and then eventually we all start to sand our little corner of the statue and then it takes some form, we put it out there and we put out the announcement that we were going to be doing a series called House Show, wherein you could write in to us and say, yes, I would like to offer my home to a professional wrestler uh -huh. for this show. And we would come for the day. And very much cinema verite, we're just filming what happens. You know, we, we may bring like a twister set or something, but, but we're generally just filming life in your home with Kamala. Mm -hmm. Like, just have, imagine as a fan, your home plus Kamala for a day. I thought it was Ooh. fascinating. Those are, those are the, the offbeat things I like, uh -huh. Anthony likes, and then we go, who the f fuck is paying for this <laughs> who would watch this uh -huh. and then mm -hmm. but for that one actually that was snuffed out because of a liability thing if we we could not <laughs> we could not make any guarantees to talent or fan uh that and, and to ourselves uh, that we would be indemnified against you know kamali eating the family pet mm -hmm. I, I did not need to sit in court in in lowell massachusetts for you, you know six months because fluffy uh was eaten during a segment of house show with kamala right or seek right. i do think but it was the out. first one we announced was <laughs> yeah. I, I want to say it was the iron sheik but we also were going to do val venus it was one of those it was either sheiky or venus was, was going to be the first one mm. and sure who, who would you like to have in your home for like a, a day Hmm. For oh wow, Incher, What do you think? Yeah. We can maybe make it happen, Incher. If you promise not to sue us, we'll yeah. be, maybe we can do it as part of our network. Good. Hmm. Let's 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 do um. 
Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Mm, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, what would you do with Hacksaw? I don't know. <laughs> play some pinball? Yeah, we could play some pinball. He would have fun with that. I'd like to hear a big hearty ho once he gets an extra ball. Mm. Yeah. yeah. How about Who Jackie's it? colon? <laughs> Jackie's colon. My colon. Yeah. No, I'll pass on that. I don't think he can play many games of pinball. A puppet version. I imagine it to be like maybe like Belial. Whoever the artist was that made Belial can do Jackie's colon. Little mouth, uh-huh. little furry head. Yeah, it would outsell the hemisphere idea that I read about in the book. Holy mackerel! You know, listen. I liked Scott Epstein very much. He was, I guess, an agent. He was a man about the business. He was like a freelance wrestling photographer maybe in like the 70s and 60s and had some like cool photos and stuff but he was a guy that would broker talent occasionally and if you read my first book uh kayfabe he's the one that brought bruno out um it, that got the ball rolling for timeline bruno san martino but um he'd since passed away tragically yeah scott was killed in a car accident on long island but um he comes to me on the set and He's saying he's like, uh, he had a very, very unique look. If you know Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan, looked uh-huh. very much like Scott Epstein. Yeah. A combination of him, maybe the love child of Anton LaVey and Bat Boy from the <laughs> old uh, Weekly World News. Uh-huh. Um, so Scott would come up, he's an older gentleman, and he comes up to me very excitedly and says, We have got to talk today. And I said, Oh, okay, wow. I was, I was, I was tickled. So. I left the set and we went to the lobby of the hotel and he sat down with some paperwork and a fo- and an accordion fo- folder, you know, very excitedly leans over as if about to tell me the formula for Coca-Cola that's locked in the vault and says, in about a week, I will own the name Hemisphere. <laughs> I said, I believe that's a word already, Scott. He said, no, as in Christy Hemi. I was like, okay, you know, a bigger name I could not think of at the time. And I said, what are you going to do with it, Scott? He goes, well, that's where I need you guys. He said, we are going to do put the girls in some tight clothing and have them do yoga. I said, and you need me for what, Scott? He said, to film them, to zoom in and get all the shots of the girls. Mm -hmm. I'm five minutes away from shooting, like, you know, a segment of Wrestling's Most with Tugboat, and I'm listening to this. I said, listen, I said, I really don't think that's what we do. I wish you luck with it, and it's very intriguing, and I would watch it. But, yeah, that was the big hemisphere idea. That never came to pass, I guess. Intra and I knew that uh, guy. Knew him, Scott Epstein. That's what we based um, Hank McGee on, if you remember Intra. Oh, yeah. We did on the show. Yeah. He was a character? Oh, well, I mean, the real guy is what he's called. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah he, we, we, would, we knew him from uh, FanFest, NWA FanFest back in the day. And uh, he would, he seemed to be at every major event that ever happened in wrestling and was like somehow responsible for it. He was well, pretty, he was he was more ubiquitous than a turnbuckle at any wrestling event. 
and my my favorite Scott Epstein story, and I don't know if I I don't know if I I'm a gifted writer, Jackie. If you don't know that, but I don't know if this even came across as funny as it was in life when we went to the Luna Vachon tribute show, which was held uh, uh, WSU was the women's wrestling federation. I believe it was called WSU. It was several years ago. It was run by Sean the Mick McCarthy. McCarthy, maybe Sean the Mick. He had that that website, the Declaration of Independence. He was a bit of a lightning rod back in the day. But he had this women's federation, and they were doing the uh, Luna had just passed, and they were going to do, I guess, like a Hall of Fame type uh, ceremony and a tribute to her. So we're sitting, and the venue's not very big. Uh, so we're a couple of rows from the ring at a table. Now, Scott walked in with, I guess at the time it was like a flip camera. Remember when those, those were big, you could record yeah. video on a little gimmick and then plug it into your, uh, dump the video right from the camera to the computer. So he walks in with it and he's got this little like midget clash of the Titans character size tripod that he's going to put the camera on and hook it up to the computer. Now I'm watching him do this, and I said, "Scott, I said, can you? What kind of video can you get on that? Is it good?" He's like, "Well, you see, brother." And so the event begins, and Ivory's in the ring with several of the young ladies who worked with Luna. There's a ten bell salute. Scott, about two rows in front of us, close to the ring, has now built a stack of items that he's found, I guess, on the floor and in the garbage cans in the venue. To prop because now the tripod is too big, is too small to shoot over people's heads. It's literally about six inches tall, <laughs> and then the, it's the little cameras on it. He puts it on the table in front of him because the the I guess the press area and I say that so loosely was a couple of long like six foot tables, and so he puts it on there and he puts his computer next to it, and it's just got the backs of Mark's heads. So he props this up on like French fry boxes and popcorn boxes <laughs> and like a silicone tit. And now it's shooting above the heads. And in the middle of like somebody might have even been crying in the ring while they're talking about Luna, Scott wore two hearing aids, one in each ear. So he turns to me and he goes, Sean. And I'm like, oh my God. And he start, he's holding up his laptop now, above his head. He goes, <laughs> looks beautiful, huh? He's screaming to me. The entire um, venue is looking at us now. And he, he keeps it up. They stop in the ring, and they're, like, moving toward the ropes to see if there's a fight. And he's still completely oblivious. He's saying, look at this, huh? He keeps screaming it. I'm sliding under the table in the hopes that one of the larger people on the KC team would be seen and everyone would think it's, in fact, them that this is all being directed at, except he's screaming Sean, and everyone knows me. <laughs> so I then at, I begin laughing hysterically, and I literally get up, and I just leave because I, uh-huh. I can't even deal with it at that point. I don't know how to, <laughs> mm-hmm. to get back on track. It reminds me of a time, Jackie, I was in high school. And it, has Sean Oliver ever been speechless? A couple of times. Scott Epstein screaming in the middle of a tribute of a dead wrestler was one of them. <laughs> Second one, I was standing next to a very good friend of mine from high school. I worked in this uh, 
this warehouse showroom type store. We were taking a break out on the showroom and I'm standing there leaning against the, the warehouse door next to my buddy George. And, you know, just looking at patrons coming in, a woman comes in and with a very ratty, obviously fake fur and her hair was very matted. I go, look at the fucking skank and the fake fur. And he goes, dude, that's my mom. <laughs> and you want to know how a Sean Oliver handles that? I'm going to tell you what I did. I pretended I never said it, and I went, "Oh, really? I never met your mom. That's your mom. Oh, cool." I just my <laughs> mind could not handle trying to get that train back on the track. So I just pretended I never said it. Right, right. It's the best way to get out of it, I think. Yeah. So, what was this event you were at? I think it was uh, yesterday. I saw on your Twitter where you were like, "This is a big, uh, big place to do uh, to do a, a uh, talk or speech at." It was a, it was for the world of of the musical theater, mm. and um, I actually had to speak briefly. Uh, I had directed a piece that was going to be done that night, and the person who on the team who was actually the production. Uh, manager was actually going to speak in front of the house. It was at the NJ Performing Arts Center in Jersey Performing. I'd seen Tony Bennett there, and like I had to get up and say his words um, for him because he couldn't come to the event. His son had taken ill. So I'm looking at the crowd. I'm like, look at this house, like a proper performing arts center, thousands upon thousands of people. I cannot let this opportunity go without doing something very Sean-like. So I got up and in front of the New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark, I said, uh, Peter could not be here tonight, so I've been given a, a statement, uh, and I introduced myself as Sarah Huckabee Sanders. <laughs> to the sound of tumbleweed <laughs> and Snickers wrappers. Uh, a slow, slow burn, uh, a small smattering of laughter as people went... Did did he really say that? Um, yes, but that's what that uh, that's what that venue was all about. <laughs> all right, we're good. Uh, Andrew, I sent you a bunch of questions from uh, mm-hmm. Facebook and and whatnot. Uh, do you have one? I've got one from the chat room. I got Jobs. He wants to know what do you think of Honky Tonk going into the Sham Hall of Fame, whatever that is. What's he talking about? Yeah, he's going to the WWE. Well, he, Hall on our in our oh. on our U shoot, he spent a great deal of time talking about what a what a sham the Hall of Fame was. And uh-huh. so he listen, everyone bends over when the big Connecticut dick gets whipped out. I don't want to <laughs> hear it. The only person who had a set big enough to challenge that was Bruno, and I've told the story a million times and it's in Kayfabe. When he owed us a shoot us, little shitty nobody shoot interview company, and he was being put in the Hall of Fame, given a a million dollar payday. That's not a joke. And they brought him up to Connecticut, and he sat in the in the office, and they said, "Listen, we really need to take control of your bookings from now on." And he said, "I've got to do this video for these guys in New Jersey." And they were like, "What? What are you talking about? Well, like a movie, Bruno? They're shooting a movie like for Paramount in New Jersey." He's like, "No, these guys are doing an interview with me, and I owe them because we didn't have time." And they were like, well, what what were they paying you? And he actually bumped the, he's so shrewd, he bumped the figure up so that they wouldn't buy it out. And he told them like uh, a multiple of what we were paying him. And they were like, okay, well, good luck with that. You do that. And then then you come and do our whole thing. (laughs) 
Um, but he called me in advance and said, I just want you to know the number in case someone from there calls you, you tell them that's what you're paying. Me. Um, but yeah, hockey's going to go in cause everyone's going to go in mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's how it is. And it's a, you know, it's a payday and, uh, you know, and they all want to be relevant and back on TV and listen, mm-hmm. they're performers. Okay. So if you, if you take the, uh, they're performers. So hockey comes on my show and he's got to say, that's a bunch of bullshit. This hall of fame, they can yeah. suck my left nut. And he can do all that because he's performing, <laughs> performing for mm-hmm. us. And then when Connecticut calls, he's going to go and he's going to perform for the hall of fame. That's what these guys do. <laughs> the last time I talked to hockey, I, I tweeted this out the other day when somebody asked me about hockey going into the hall of fame. The last discussion I had with the hockey talk man who's been on like 10 of our shows, very good relationship with Wayne. He, uh, he comes up, he goes, you know what I'm wondering when these fucking shoot interview people are going to start paying me for the shit I did for them, getting this whole fucking industry started for them. And I'm like, honk, 10 paydays. How, how's that? How's that for the appreciation brother? Uh-huh. He's like, now I'm not talking about you just in general. When are people going to say that I made that whole fucking industry? <laughs> So, yeah. what are your thoughts on AEW? And uh, I saw, I think it was on your, uh, either on Facebook or on your forums that people were talking about you turning down StarCast. Uh, I, I, is it noteworthy that I didn't do StarCast? I don't know. I don't know. I just, I saw a lot of people talking about it. So. Oh, I, did, I didn't even know people were talking about it. Right. I was asking, I said no, politely. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, They're going to do just fine without me, Jackie. Don't you worry about it. Yeah, I, yeah, they probably will. Uh, let's see here. We'll, we'll go back and forth with the questions. I've got a lot here as well, Lynchman. Robert Robert Gay wants to know, who gave you the worst interview you ever did? Holy Christ. Um, this is one of them right now, but I'm the guest. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Jackie confirms that. Thank you very much. Um, well, listen, I, boy, it's so hard, right? When someone passes away, it kind of deifies them automatically, right? But I've, I've, I, I, I joke about the China show a lot, but I've never been more uncomfortable. People say, well, are you uncomfortable for the, for the Jamie Dundee shoot? Listen, admittedly, he several times during a live set just got up and walked off. Took a piss, maybe a shit, smoked a joint. I don't know what he did, but he would get up and leave. And then mm-hmm. 10 minutes later, just come back. He, he, he kissed me on the face for almost the entire show. Um, <laughs> I was not as uncomfortable because it, cause it was entertaining. I knew that despite what was going on there and the, the, the physical discomfort that I was in, fans were going to enjoy this. So I was fine with it. That's my job. I don't set up a camera so I could have a good time. I'll have a scotch and a cigar on my deck. I don't need 10,000 wrestling fans watching it. But what we do in front of the cameras is for them. So if it's entertaining, I'll take all that stuff. The problem with the China show was I, it was like trying to, it was like playing handball with, with ZD. It was just mm-hmm. nothing was happening. I tried every trick I have in the book. I can usually engage wrestlers, even if they're distrustful, even if they're a little tired. Um, I can usually get something going, uh, and I just, I, I just couldn't. I know she. Listen, in her defense, 
she was, it was like a 12 hour ordeal between the flight from LA. She was stuck on the tarmac on the plane. Uh, there was a dog here and, you know, she walked in in a hoodie with a dog, you know, and we were about to talk about her foray into vivid video and whatnot. And, you know, here she is in her sexiest hoodie. Um, <laughs> With dog, which is always, you know, I talk about the entrance, the wrestler's Mm -hmm. entrance. I don't mean them walking to the ring to exciting music. I talk about when they walk in our room for the first time. Those two seconds, it's almost like a blind date. They set the tone for the rest of the night. (laughs) Uh, Billy Graham's story is in the first book, Kayfabe. When he walked in, I was so excited to do that show. That's the era that I love. That's the stuff I don't even need one of Anthony's 700-page scripts to, to do. I could just sit with Billy Graham and, and talk to him uh, for two hours, easily, two and a half hours. So Billy's coming in, and actually that was a Scott Epstein booking. The freaking door opened, and the goddamn circus came to town. Billy's moaning audibly. Now, just pitch. You're you're a producer of content, Jackie. How does this bode for recorded programming? <laughs> First, Billy appears and he's moaning and almost crying in pain. Uh-huh. There's somebody beside him with a box window fan, which they're running into, ready to plug in on the set to point at Billy. <laughs> There's somebody with a towel wiping him down and Scott Epstein with a folder full of black and white photos that he liked to talk to me about. So this enters the room and everybody just kind of collectively goes, Oh my God. (laughs) When it's just talent who comes in, offers their hand. Hey, I'm Billy. Nice to meet you. Blah, blah, blah. But here comes this other thing. And you know what? The interview was great. You'd never know, but he sits down, somebody plugs in the box fan next to him and begins to blow it on to him, me, and my stack of 700 pages of script, not affixed to a staple. So it's now making noise next to the shotgun microphone. The papers are flying all over. Very clearly, that's not going to... So the entrance, it's all about the entrance. Brutus Beefcake walked into a room at 8 a.m., delivered by Eric Sims, a classic Eric Sims booking. I'm sure he told Brutus, Hey, Brutus, uh, listen, after you wake up uh, uh, bright and early in the morning, I'm going to throw a bagel at you, and then we're going to walk into a room. You're going to talk to some guys for a little bit, and then we're going to go out to it. He walked in. Saw a full set, lights, sound, me in a suit, chairs, the whole thing. He walked in, bleary, red-eyed, looked at the set and went, oh, my God. Turned around and left the hotel room. <laughs> we all just sat there. Mm. <laughs> that, that's, the, that's that blind date, ready to begin. Hi, would you like to talk extensively about the year 1988, for the next two and a half hours, Mr. Beefcake. 1989, I think it was, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, Superstar Billy Graham holds the record here, too, for the most no-shows. I think it was four times he was booked. And then he, he just no-showed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was the first wrestler I'd ever seen. Uh, I was with Billy a lot that weekend. We shot our show. Then we had him on the dais of ring roasts. Um very unamused, by the way, at all the jokes being told. He was at a fucking roast, but he sat there with, <laughs> with a puss on his face. Uh-huh. Um, 
the entire time. And so for breakfast the next morning after all this, I go to his table and he's having breakfast with Scott Epstein and, you know, ten or twelve other people, and he's drinking the Nescafe gimmick. Remember that? The the instant coffee? Yeah. The little the ground uh, dog shit it looked like that you scoop it. He's first wrestler to, to drink Nescafe. It was on the table. I was very excited to a little look inside Superstar Billy Graham. You can uh-huh. talk about it if he doesn't know show you next. All right. Yeah, he's it's he's never actually uh, come through, but I haven't asked him in several years. Yeah, he's on the list. Yeah. Well, H-Man, what's the next question? Galgo13, he wants to know, uh, when will the Mikey Whipwreck you shoot be out, and uh, will it be on DVD? Well, the entire world is waiting for that. Um, yeah, I know it's, it. Uh, that's one of the that's just one of the shows unfortunately there's nothing wrong with it it's a good show it just it was shot right at that cusp where we said all right we got to shut down here for a little while and move everything over to the digital platform get the new subscription channel out um it was shot right around the same time i think francine's breaking kayfabe was shot and that one came out and we stopped right after that um to kind of re uh gather our wagons and uh, figure out which direction we were going to go with content delivery. So that's the only reason it, it wasn't out. It's going to be out. It's going to be out. I was trying to find, I was trying to find an email actually uh, from superstar Billy Graham. Uh, oh. I'm not sure if I can find it, but uh, <laughs> it, it was correspondence between me and me, Billy Graham, um, the, the uh, Dave Meltzer. I'm not, I'm not sure why he was involved. And, um, Greg Price, Greg buddy. Price. Yeah. Yeah. My, my mm. great friend, Greg Price, but I, I, maybe I'll find it before the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The email says, fuck taster's choice. <laughs> it's about like Satan and, uh, and demons and eating people's eyes out. And mm-hmm. it's very, very bizarre. Oh, he wrote the right guy for sure. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't directed to me though. It was directed to Greg Price. No. Yeah, well, which I found out later it was warranted. But let's see here. Uh, Jerry Shaninsky wants to know, have you ever been scared to do an interview with a wrestler? Uh, no. No, I, I, I've gotten along with almost everybody I've worked with. And, and some of the guys that were always positioned as being intimidating or the scariest guys, I get along with got along like Bob. Bob Holly was one of those people. Like, oh, you bet you're, you're doing a you shoot with Bob. Oh, you better not fuck with him. You better be careful what you ask him. He was the coolest guy. But I did get to know him a little bit beforehand, which which was helpful. We 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 went out. Uh, we I did an indie shot with him somewhere. We we had dinner beforehand, so we we just got to talking. So, but um, he's one of the nicest guys, one of the coolest guys, one of the most humble guys, and I guess. I don't know. Maybe it had a little bit to do with his on-camera image or something, but I never found the guys that were supposed to be intimidating to be really, really bad. I, I don't know. I, I tend to get a lot. That's a boring answer. I, I wish I had something really salacious. I wish somebody pinned me up against a wall somewhere. No. <laughs> um, oh. But uh, nothing. No. I, I. The only times I've been manhandled have been in a. Uh, uh, a fun way. I, George Steele uh, choked me out a little bit at the opening of that show, and, uh, and of course Jamie kissed me, and I think Bushwhacker Luke was going for my ass a little bit during that show. But uh, no, it's it's always been it's always been good fun. 
Yeah. So far, we'll see what happens. Billy Jack coming to town, April. It's very, very true. It's very true. I have a kind of serious question is, um, you know, in the book you talk about, about like uh, the the blood, business of blood, because you have the passion for wrestling, you and Anthony, uh, long-time wrestling fans and stuff. So it as the years go on, because I know from previous interviews, you don't watch, you know, current wrestling really. Uh, is there a certain like time that, you could continue to do these because like when modern wrestling wrestlers become the veterans, you wouldn't have like, uh, grown up with them with the same passion. So what's the question? Would I interview contemporary guys? Right. Yeah. That was always the discussion we had. Like the things we were doing when the first 10 years of the company weren't going to work for guys like John Cena. Imagine timeline 2018. We know everything that happened. We know every backstage argument because of, you know, the websites and stuff and all the podcasts. So there was no peeking behind the curtain. The allure of timeline or any of the shows that go, that focus on a historical period of wrestling with one of the talent is that secret peek behind the curtain that you get, but there's no curtain anymore. So, we knew that we couldn't continue to do that stuff with this talent. And good Lord, if you watched any of the shows we've done with many of the contemporary talent, um, they, they don't get the shoot thing really just because they haven't, there's nothing to shoot about, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the information isn't going to be really new information. So that's why we, in, um, it's 2016 when we, started shooting stuff like Raven's Wrestler Rescue, which was a reality-based makeover program, a wrestling makeover program, mm-hmm. which I thought was a good idea. Um, Bombshells, which focused on the women of wrestling. And then we had uh, Gabe Sapolsky's Next Evolution, where he brought some guys that were about to get a shot at NXT or WWE, and they did a little retrospective of their time on the indies. Uh, we knew that it had to, the face had to change. It couldn't be, you know, Butch Reed talking about getting blown by a rat because, uh, it's, it wasn't going to be happening. And if you, we've, thanks to cell phones, all these girls leave their videos unlocked. So we see all the, that shit already, uh, you know, page and whatnot. And so it was going to have to be programming like that. And it, it didn't go over. I mean, I talk about that in the book that the shoot interview fans were still, uh, their tastes had not changed. The market was changing and the ability to continue to produce that same flavor was, was going to have a shelf life. So we needed, we were trying to change the weather basically because the climate was getting tougher to live in. But we realized that, and we, I made another mistake. I dropped those three shows in the same calendar year I mean, that's a draft. If one series comes out, one series comes on your favorite network that you don't like, you, you can just not watch that one. But when three drop at the same time, if they're not aligned to your tastes, it could sour the entire product on uh, on you. So, so, yeah, we did try to change it. We did try to think about what it would become. And that's just shortly after that, we said, you know what, it's... It, it, 
they like our music. You know, we're, we're playing something different now. And so that's when we came up with Supercard, being able to drill into not even just a, a year in wrestling, like timeline, but one specific big company show and everything about that show. I love like the minutia of, of things. So if we could spend time talking about everything about WrestleMania one, you know, where did Bob Orton stay the night before? Where did the guys eat? Did he hang with Roddy? Did he travel with Roddy to the venue? How early did they get there? And that's what Supercard was and, and is, is an exploration of everything about that one particular night in wrestling, day in wrestling, and the angle that led up to it and how they cooked that up and how far in advance they planned it and all those things. That's what our fans like, that stuff and honky talking about what city is the best for rats. Um, I don't know if he's, maybe that's part of his acceptance speech. I, I saw today on Twitter, someone said that I should be inducting him. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And Wayne, if you're listening, I would. I would. Uh-huh. I would like to see that myself. You get behind that. I answers tons of questions. Yeah, Dennis Mooney wants to know, in the Roddy Piper Timeline 1984 video, Roddy spoke of an employee Vincent undercover to disrupt and destroy Pro Wrestling USA. He wrote down a name on and showed it to you of who it was, and he wants to know who who it was. This is a terrible answer, and it's one that you should never give in an interview. <laughs> I, right now, am supposed to, as a public figure, make up a name of somebody mm-hmm. who's probably dead, who can never deny it, and shock fans with that name. Come but on. I cannot, I cannot remember. <laughs> I cannot remember. <laughs> oh, no. Has so, anybody so told us tell anything, you, Jack? I will tell you, so I will tell you that it was Lou Albano. <laughs> All right, Captain Sue. Has anyone answered you what you asked? If anyone ever told us anything, has anybody ever there? told us anything that we that we're not supposed to tell that we could say now to make up for it? I don't. I don't has know. Has anyone we... ever told you? Yeah, yeah. We're just you know. Oh, like uh, oh, people said stuff off air that we probably shouldn't talk about. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of a lot of uh, drunken calls from Jackie Crockett probably shouldn't be talked about. But yeah, yeah. they were very they're very fun. Halfway through, he like, was the cameraman or yeah, the director. The, ca- was he? the cameraman, yeah. Mm-hmm. Halfway he's through, like fr- he's like the Fredo of the fucking family. Huh? <laughs> Halfway through, it was like we're not on air, are we? I'm like, no, no. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they were pretty bad. Um, but he's a very funny guy, and he sends me like old uh, WCW shirts. So, uh, big thumbs up to for Jackie Crockett. Uh, let's see here. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Who was the most surprising guest for you? Did Did you ever have a booking that was like, I don't know, what are you going to talk to him about? I don't, I don't know. And then it turns out to be like one of the one of the best interviews you've done, myself excluded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, you're always great. Um, let's see here. I really like the Man Mountain Rock show. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what what I thought going to the interview. Man Mountain. Well, yeah, um, what was his name in WCW? Um, God, oh. I can't he had the guitar. Yeah. Van oh. Hammer? No, not uh, Van Hammer. He shot uh he shot um Johnny B. Bad with the uh with the blaster. Hmm. Uh, I cannot think of but I really enjoyed that interview. It was uh Max Payne. Max Payne, yeah, Max, Max Payne. Yeah. That was uh it was probably surprisingly good. Uh, that's a good question because I know there bro, are a lot of people. gonna take a guitar, bro. 
and you are gonna shoot him with the guitar like Ace Freely. You are gonna shoot. Sorry, I was channeling someone. No, yeah, yeah. How about you, Intro? Any that you remember? Uh, I, I remember some I was hoping would be good and turned out very bad. The most surprising one to me was uh, Fidel Sierra when he called in and. He started having marks call in fake marks, and uh, I, I, that was one of the times I was speechless and I had to run and hide. So. Yeah, you, the intro was quit the show then. <laughs> I liked it for because I thought it was it was so bad that it, it I enjoyed it because he literally had people calling in like, "Why you got that there? Call me on too." <laughs> 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 Which I, I enjoyed for all the wrong reasons, but it's definitely not something like I'd say is good. Uh, mm. I know uh, Mario Mancini. Uh, yeah, I, think it's I was going to say that actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rusty Brooks was another one I thought was very good. We had them both on around the same time for the first time. People always used to ask me, like, would you do. We'd always talked about that kind of show, the, I think, the enhancement round table, we were calling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's one I would have loved to do because as long as they didn't take their shit too seriously, I mean, if if they were able to to have fun with it, that's fine. And and you know, I wouldn't have insulted anyone, but I would have wanted to know what the job of the journeyman enhancement talent job guy was. Mm-hmm. Um, we never did it though. I, I always hated putting. I said it before putting like guys together on the show. I'd rather sit with one person and just unscrew their head and, and spend a couple of hours with them. But if we were to do any grouping of guys, I, w- I would like to do like a, like get uh, Jose Luis Rivera, Johnny Rods, a Rusty Brooks, uh, a Mario Mancini and, uh, and hear about mm-hmm. what, even like what the tapings were like for those guys. Mm-hmm. Were they relegated to to a rung below the stars, like dressing in another area or that type of stuff? Yeah, I don't know. The surprising one I just that was just scroll, scrolling through some stuff was uh, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, just because I heard him some other times and they weren't particularly good, but I thought he was uh, he was a lot of fun on In Your Head. Yeah, is he dead? He's dead, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's uh, he's he's passed on. I'd like to hear uh, Jim Cornette. And Vince Russo together, one room, be excellent. People talk about that a lot, but I, I, it would really not be much coherent conversation. <laughs> After however many years of this, Jim, Jim would try to push it all out of his mouth at once. Okay, fifteen or twenty years of everything he's wanted to say to his face, and he would spontaneously combust right in mm-hmm. the center of the. There would be a pulsating pile of slime oh, on stage man. that was once Jim Cornette. <laughs> that makes CNN. It. It, it would be yelling about something, but it wouldn't be human anymore. <laughs> uh, I don't. Talk, I don't talk to Jim. <laughs> He's you know still going on, bro. <laughs> oh, you haven't talked to Jim for a while. Yeah, I don't know if there's something there or not, but I Uh-oh. I reached out a couple of times uh, when we. You know, when we were taking our break, our self-imposed break, after doing the road for 12 years, brother, um, I, uh, you know, I had to tell him about Back to the Territories uh, going on hold, and uh, we exchanged a brief text, not a text, an email, he doesn't text, um, and he was like, yeah, I was meaning to uh, get 
get with you on this. I had a, I don't know, like some a signing in Chattanooga on the, you know, in a guy's backyard. Um, and then I wrote him a couple of times after that and then nothing. So I don't know. I guess there's, I guess there's a problem. Hmm. But I, I, any, any time, any time he would like to just call and thank me for making him marketable again and, yeah, listen. It, they were his talents, of course, and his his loquaciousness and his gift for gab and his uh, his uh, the sensitivity of his controversy meter being very well attuned. Uh, that that made him who he is. But I think uh, his appearances first on Guest Booker and then maybe You Shoot and our time together on those shows. I don't recall how much of the rounds he was doing at that time. But I certainly, I would certainly take a thank you. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. We got a ho- uh, hockey fan uh, on Skype. Ooh. Hey. hey. Hey, hockey fan. Hey. I'm just tuning in now, but uh, I was wondering if you're going to get into the podcasting game because I think there's nobody that could tell a story and do it better than you in terms of wrestling's history. You know what's funny? I I I did leak it earlier this year that I I am planning on a podcast this year. Um, the tough thing about that, though, and the reason I'd held out for so long, and now everyone goes, "Oh, he said in his book that the podcasts are this or that." I never insulted anyone. The, the I enjoy podcasts. I, I listen to them, but the range of quality in podcasts is a very broad stroke. So um, the key to it is I, I don't want to do something, and I never wanted to do anything, even company-wise. Um, shows like Yushu China will dispel this myth, but um, I never want to do anything unless it was different, it was unique in some way, it, it wasn't just another voice in an existing landscape. Um, I don't want to go on and talk about contemporary wrestling. I don't want to go on and just host... Uh, a star, the same star every week, like be somebody's sidekick as we talk about, you know, random weeks on Raw. I mean, this has done mm-hmm. so much now. It's like, well, what would I add to it? Um, I've had people approach me about being their host, sidekick, whatever you would call uh-huh. it. Like it's got the star's name on it, but I'm the, I'm the incher of the show, if I may. <laughs> um, uh-huh. uh-huh. But, it's not uh, a bad place to be. That is going to give me a not lot a bad of bad place to be. <laughs> but I think I landed on something that would be interesting. That transcends wrestling. It's not just it, it's wrestling. Certainly, has a place in this topic, um, but so does something else. So hopefully, I, this book just came out. I got to get the audio book out. My next novel is coming out next month. Once I get over that hurdle, I can put myself full time into the podcast which will hopefully be coming your way by summer sounds great thanks sean thanks jack all right yeah thanks for calling hockey fan no hockey fan oh, is from, uh, what, his t- what his favorite team was that's it with so anyone named hockey fan you, you should be asking mm-hmm. them hmm. maybe he just like the goon the gimmick the goon who didn't Besides everyone, but uh, Andrew was another question from uh, from anywhere, I guess. Mm-hmm. Got Kai Spires. He wants to know if he was to give a comparison between the two industries, professional wrestling and horror movies. 
what would the conclusion be if someone asked, how big is Batista's dick? Well, uh, in wrestling, you can't get an answer to it, as I've learned um, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. far. So there is there is some mystery, not unlike a horror film. There is some some suspense. Um, but the difference would be, uh, and we don't have the answer to this, if we were to make this a horror film, would it be snakes on a plane or would it be the swarm? Mm. And we, we have no confirmation on size. So we, we just, we couldn't, we couldn't make it a horror film yet. Mm-hmm. Along those lines, Jamie Forsyth wants to know how, were you ever tempted to title your book? How big is Batista's dick? You know, it's really funny you say that. And <laughs> if it weren't for a lawsuit, I probably would. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. They trademark everything over there. So I think Batista, even though it's the guy's fucking name, uh-huh. spelled differently, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if they would allow that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was an interview that I'm not very proud of. Is, uh, uh, inter- uh, Batista's daughter was on the show. Mm-hmm. This is not and one of the highlights. Why? Because at the time she was in like some kind of leaked, uh, or I think she leaked herself like adult video, and she was talking to herself. I think. Okay, yeah, her and her boyfriend put it out there, and uh, one of our listeners, Owl, he uh, he connected me to her, and she came on the show. But it was uh, it was very strange because she's like eighteen. I just felt very very uh, scuzzy talking to <laughs> about her. Right. Yeah, that's true. So it, was, I mean, it wasn't the best. It's funny how as you get on in years, that gradient really does change. Because, you know, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. there would have been nothing scuzzy talking to an 18-year-old, you know, about if her bush was the uh, the Groucho, the Hitler, or the wood floor. <laughs> right. But when you're 45, it's just a whole different ballgame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I started 43 last week. Out there. You, don't day, you don't look at day over 67. I want to tell well, you Thank that. you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Let's see. There's a lot, lot of questions. Uh, Adrian Stevens III, do you consider yourself the man of shoot interviews or the emperor of tomorrow? Um, I only, <laughs> I only, boy, is that a strange question. Uh-huh. Um, I will give myself the man of shoot interviews. All right. By the way, hockey fans, his favorite team is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, all right. I was in Toronto uh, last last year, and uh, the only thing I really say about it, really, it really uh, smells of weed everywhere. So they just legalized it. Oh, well, now it's, yeah, sure, now yeah. it's. Even the hotel, which is a non-smoking hotel, I'm not like a prude, I don't really care what people do, but. You're in a non-smoking hotel in the place. Just reeks of weed everywhere and all in the room. It wasn't a pleasant experience. Well, people have been waiting for years, so they just they're going buck friggin' wild up there right now. Yeah, then there's signs everywhere. It's just kind of funny, like when you're driving back, signs everywhere like you know, so many miles before you can't have uh, marijuana on you. Don't bring it with you, and all this stuff. Which uh, I don't know. I find it amusing. It's legal here too in Massachusetts. But it doesn't. It doesn't uh, smell everywhere. Like weed. Oh, did it, did they legalize it in, in Massachusetts? Yeah, just, yeah. For, just for medical or, or no? It's or... Uh, yeah. You can get it. You can even buy it uh, recreational. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. It's coming. It's coming everywhere. And you know, when you think about it, for Christ's sakes, 
if you're if you're going to have alcohol be legal, right? Mm-hmm. There there's there is nary an argument for one and not the other that mm-hmm. I've ever heard why you should be able to be able to be allowed to go down the street and, and buy a beer and sit and have a beer with your friends, but taking a couple of tokes off something's going to in some way uh, diff- be a, a much more deleterious effect to society. I, I don't, I don't know. Anyone can make that argument. Yeah. That means like people don't get a high and like go and, you know, beat their wife or anything. I mean, it's uh, I would you know, alcohol is much worse for, for society. I would say, then I'm not saying it should be illegal or anything. Second is the secondhand smoke issue, but that's for cigarettes as well. And mm-hmm. we seem to have managed to find ways to control that. So the challenge will be just doing that with marijuana. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Uh, Dobbs Mia, does the study of philosophy ever lead to answers or simply more questions? Well, you know what? In Tammy Sitch's You Shoot, we were talking about this. Um, right after she talked about the benefits of anal. Mm-hmm. And mm. uh, I forget how we segued into Nietzsche, um, but we did. And the answer is more questions. <laughs> Declan, yep. Declan Clark, he wants to know if he had a chance to meet Elegant Elliot from the Howard Stern show, would he? <laughs> You know what? That'd be a great interview. This, I would love to do a whole You Shoot series of You Shoot the Whack Pack. Just have each member of the Howard Stern Whack Pack on You Shoot and mm-hmm. just unleash my public on them. Mm-hmm. Elegant Elliot would be a great interview. Yeah. Vince, yeah. Vince Russo's yeah. favorite all-time guest, by the way, on the uh, Howard Stern show. Oh. I'm probably a more high-pitch fan. I like high-pitch Eric. Mm. Is he still alive? I think he is alive. It's been a while. I stopped listening. I actually canceled my series uh, two weeks ago. But, uh, yeah, I think he's still alive. Uh, you know what I'm interested in? Stuttering John's book. It's mm-hmm. great. I Yeah, I have it here. I'm, I'm actually going to have be interviewing him soon, Stuttering John. Oh, great. Yeah, let me know when that's on. I want to I hear that. Uh, but uh, is it as good as I I would imagine it is? Yeah, it's uh, it's you know just nonstop stories about about uh, Stern and it, it's really in depth. Uh, if you're if you're a Stern fan, even if you're like not, probably you'd like it. But if you're a longtime Stern fan, I think you'd love it. That's perfect. He would fit. He would fit into my uh, my podcast realm as well. Uh, maybe, we'll maybe we'll have to maybe we'll have to collaborate on something, Jackie. We'll see. All right. All right. Sounds good. I uh, when that when they posted that on Facebook, the question. Uh, you you said about just uh, doing the um, the whack pack, but I suggested a timeline of Stern because he could go over each year and interview different people from different uh, generations of Stern. But yeah, absolutely. Know. Get get the get the guests from that era, you know, mm-hmm. starting in the. He said my favorite time was the '80s when he could not get anyone of note to do his show. So it was like Pat Cooper and Mar- What's the Marilyn Martin? Is she like the 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 impressionist and uh, like Sherman Helmsley. (laughs) And, and I really think that if you, if you're going to find a jump the shark moment for the Stern show, certainly the, the best years, I'm not a fan of a, a, the Stern's appeal was he was every man. You know, he was a guy hammering off in his basement, hiding from his family and the world, basically angry at everyone passed over by society, the outcast, uh, 
who gets the gift of a microphone, who can smack others and not be hit himself. That was the that was the allure. Then he became everything he used to attack. You know the mm-hmm. the multi billion dollar mogul with the model girlfriend, the house in the hand. He just became so unrelatable. And he was still a good interview. Like he asked good questions and but I don't know what the allure of the Stern show is now. If I if I turned on Stern for the first time now, I'd never listen to it. Yeah. It it it's just not the things that attracted me in the eighties are are not there anymore. Uh, Salvatore M. It's been 25 years since the release of Stranger Than Paradise. Can we stop pretending that Jim Jarmusch, I'm not sure who that is, is such a genius? <laughs> I like Jim Jarmusch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of a fan. I'm kind of, listen. Did you ever see that Masterclass gimmick, Jackie? Masterclass. That sounds familiar. It's an app. It's a website, I guess. And you pay. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. And literally, the top people in their fields, mm-hmm. quote unquote, teach a master class. Now, it's it, yeah, it's it like Werner Herzog, been. I think, is you were telling you how to yes, do it. Yes, absolutely. So like Jody Foster teaches directing, and this year David Lynch is going to do one, and James Patterson does writing, and so it's just really a long form kayfabe commentaries uh interview so it's a it's a long for it's them talking on camera for they break it up into quote-unquote classes but it, but if you add them all together there's like 20 chapters of you know, 10 or 20 minutes each so it's a few hours of them talking about their craft and then they the Masterclass people cobble together some workbook type related exercises that you could download on PDF. But it is it is listening, if nothing else, listening to the top people in the field espouse their wisdom for two or three hours about said field. Um, why the hell did I bring that up again? What did you ask me? No, it was uh, about Stranger Than Paradise came out 25 years ago. And, oh, uh, so I was, was, was going to say that. Uh, so, first of all, right, David Lynch is going to be doing a masterclass. That's why I brought that up. True and John mm-hmm. Bush brought me to David Lynch. And I, I am excited to listen to him attempt to teach mm-hmm. anything he's released. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to attempt to te- I just want him to spend three seconds on the redo of Twin Peaks that I sat yeah. through like gallbladder surgery it was to sit through that thing and no one was uh, more excited than i was i agree to have it come on and uh, it was it was just something else it was it, it was in no they could have called it anything like aunt sylvia's funeral and it would have been it, they could have left it as it was and it would have been able to subsist as its own thing it was so disconnected from and then they do this bizarre they they try to tie Bob in at the very after sitting through what did we sit through fifteen episodes? To uh, that Bob's res- was an outgrowth of the goddamn nuclear testing. I wanted to bend my leg between my heads and eat my own asshole. <laughs> I really think people pretended to to like it. Those because it was David Lynch, but uh, I thought absolutely. it was horrible. Absolutely, the fanboys <laughs> were all over the place, hammering off on the message. I actually I sought out message boards because I had to see if I was so disconnected from society that I was missing something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but masterclass really is what we should have done. That should have been 
breaking kayfabe 2.0. We should have just taken what we did with wrestling and said, all right, well, now we're going to get Margaret Atwood to talk about crafting The Handmaid's Tale mm-hmm. and which vibrator she prefers. <laughs> there you go. Masterclass should have been KC 2.0. I'm so angry I didn't think of that. Yeah. <laughs> I've never watched them, but I, I've been interested in several. It's like the, the Werner Herzog one. That's very interesting. Yeah, I think they have Gordon Ramsay doing cooking and uh, Stephen Curry doing uh, basketball and uh, Serena or Venus Williams, one of them, doing tennis. and uh, Very, very, very interesting concept. And they pay those people a fortune to do those, too. I mean, they're... they're oh, yeah, they'd have they're, to. Oh, they're hundred, hundred thousand, hundreds of thousand dollar paydays. I would mm. love to talk to the creator of the website just for what his initial investment had to be. Yeah. But well, while not r- really related to wrestling or anything, but what are your thoughts on Martin Scorsese making you know a movie for Netflix? And it's got you know Al Pacino, De Niro, Pesci. It's like insane. Yeah, the uh, the Irish mob. Uh, yeah, mob Irish thing. I'm, yeah, I'm curious to see it. I mean, I'm a Scorsese fan. I like I, it I for too. the. Uh, I love him for. Uh, he 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 was such a gift to the industry. But Jesus, responsible for so many unwatchable knockoffs, like people that watch Scorsese for all the wrong reasons, right? Uh-huh. They they left Goodfellas and, and in no way talked about, you know, how his his weaving soundtrack and and uh, uh, progression of a frenetic visual style through through the decades that he covers in the film, but instead said, yeah, oh. Uh, we should get some of our friends and do a little movie about the mafia. You know, like like there was so much of that 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 Scorsese just dropped a giant tur- a fucking turd on the business because of his his talents were misunderstood and taken at taken at such a base the the base value of what he was doing. People didn't look beyond beyond the characterizations and the the, the funny Joe Pesci scenes. Uh, yeah. I am uh, I'm a very big fan, so I'll, I'll watch anything he does. Yeah. So it's yeah, just weird. I, I never thought he would, you know, make a movie for Netflix. It seems very just odd, especially with all this. Yeah, people. I, I, I know what you, I know what you mean. Yeah, but I think that look, the ship has sailed on shit being shot on film anymore, Jack. And this is when mm-hmm. I start to sound like I'm walking around in my fucking robe as we speak in my socks and my robe and I'm going to talk about the fact that they don't shoot on film anymore they don't shoot on film when I cut film in film school Jackie Jones I was cutting it on a guillotine I was cutting actual celluloid and using tape and a grease pencil to mark mm-hmm. my fade out before it was processed in the laboratory and when you look through the lens you had to imagine what you were going to see and know what you were going to see by setting the t-stop and measuring the distance and knowing the focus point and the uh, and the amount of light you were using and using the light meter i didn't have a fucking monitor that i could look at and see every shot so scorsese oh, wow. very much you would imagine someone cut from that mold the preservation of film and but listen it is a sign of the times you have to move with it you've got to evolve at some point a dinosaur turned to another one and went little chilly today isn't it john <laughs> and you know you, you have to you have to be aware when you are that dinosaur and you have to respond in kind. Yeah. And did you ever see Gaudi that came out, I think last year with uh, Travolta? It, I can't say it's the worst mafia movie I've ever seen, but it's, it's definitely up there. It's, it's so bad, but it's it very, it's a, very comical. 
I watched it with my wife, and we both agreed that if they had taken one aspect of John Gotti's life, just mm-hmm. one, either the relationship with the son or maybe the wife, or just take one thing and just give me an hour and a half about that, it would have been very interesting. They just did a retrospective of his life. They did little snapshots of any biography. I mean, I've I've read everything about Gotti. I've seen everything. I got to eat at Spark Steakhouse this year for the first time, by the way, Uh Um, and took a photo and tried to be as discreet as possible. The the spot right on the curb where Castellano was laying in a puddle of his own blood. Tried to get a a shot of it there and not look like a mark. Um, But... uh, if they'd just taken one aspect of his life, because I actually, I'm not a big Travolta fan, but I, I thought he did very, I thought he did a very good job in that. And that's right on the heels of a performance as in that OJ series. Who the hell was he in that? Oh yeah. He's one of the lawyers. Mm-hmm. Robert Shapiro. Shapiro. Shapiro yeah. He made Robert Shapiro. I, I, I mean, I've seen Shapiro on a lot of shows Never before did he come across as an erudite, aging homosexual with a bondage past. And that's exactly (laughs) what I was getting from Travolta on the screen. That's what was emanating through the screen. I don't know what the hell he was doing, full face of makeup practically, the tweezed eyebrows. I don't know what he was going for. But I said, he's going to play John Gotti now? And you know what? I thought he did a very good job. I, was, I had to eat my words a little bit when I, when I saw the show. But it was, yeah, it was pretty bad. Oh, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Well, it just reminded me when you were talking about the music, you know, that's done so well in, uh, in Scorsese movies. And they, they had the weirdest music choices in Gotti. They were playing, like, these really bad 80s songs, like, uh, during, like, big violent scenes. And they did not fit at all. It was just mm-hmm. very bizarre. It was like the Pet Shop Boys while like uh, someone's exploding in a car. And it was, it was I, I found it very funny. It was just very, very strange. Yeah, listen, anytime, anytime um, I hear the Pet Shop Boys, anytime I'm trying to think of a Pet Shop Boys song, nothing comes to mind. Can you name a Pet Shop Boys song, Jack? <laughs> what is it? Uh, what is a Pet Shop Boys? How about West End Girls? <laughs> there I you go, West End. Yeah, yeah, West End. Yeah, exactly. that was that was the one that was in the movie West End Girls. Torturing <laughs> someone immediately brings to mind West End Girls. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know about yourself. Yes, yeah, it was very funny. <laughs> See, uh, I don't know yeah. who asked this. Oh, go on, intro. Chris Turlin, he wants to know who would win in a fight between Sean and Conrad Thompson. Um, <laughs> let's see, Conrad. If Conrad got me in his grasp, I would be finished. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, uh, I would need to, I would need to make it a boxing match and keep a perimeter. I think mm-hmm. he has me on reach, but I would need to like stick and move. I would have to work the mm-hmm. perimeter. I, I would have to keep him moving and tire him out. Just spin him around as much as I could and tire him out and mm-hmm. stay out of his grasp. If he yeah. gets me in the grasp, I would probably, uh, be in trouble. Well, my money's on you, Sean. No, did he say a fight or a modeling contest? What was it? <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's saying a fight. Yeah, a but, fight, a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would depend which way it goes. If I could, st- if I could stay outside the grasp, um, I would give it to myself. But mm-hmm. um, you know, if he gets me in close and pins me up against the wall, it's all over. 
I've never seen the guy. I didn't know if he was big or not, but he's a big dude. Yeah. Is he a big dude? Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. necessarily like a like a you know like. Can a, I take him? Strong. Uh-huh. Yeah. Can I take him? Oh, of course. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Let's see here. I've I've really not uh, listened to a lot of it, but uh, I know people always bring up in in the fa- our Facebook page that they take a lot of bits from in your head. I don't. I'm not sure like any mm-hmm. specifics. Yeah. That's. What a lot of people. <laughs> so, Conrad, on your show, you can ask uh, your guests if uh, you know who they'd win in a fight against Jack. <laughs> Jack and off to be specific, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Well, that's one thing about changing with the times, because uh, you can't change your Skype name. So I've had this Jack and off name for years, and <laughs> it has. I didn't care at all about it in 2005. I thought it was funny, but. Uh, now it's just kind of embarrassing if I have to give like a guest our Skype name and it's jacking off. Yeah, Grandma, it's it's called Skype. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get it on your phone, Grandma, and uh, yeah, you can reach me at yeah. I can see that. You know, yeah, yeah. I think the last person we had was uh, Disco Inferno actually when he's talking about uh, the kayfabe, um, and I told him like, oh, it's embarrassing, but he he didn't care whatsoever, but. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Hey, listen, I love that edition of of uh, of, I did too. of Jeff Booker. By the way, people people are are for so long he'd been he'd been re- referenced, and I always enjoyed the disco stories about what he booked. So having him come on and just deciding to turn it into an absolute circus and just let him go crazy, uh, I th- I thought was great. Yeah, you have I, a tight I end. I got offended by the episode. Like, dude, ridiculous! How ridiculous <laughs> is this? Uh-huh. I love that too. And uh, I, I just find him a very entertaining guy and an interesting guy. Like, uh, I can't say I agree with everything, but I do find myself agreeing with a lot of the, his, uh, his takes on wrestling. One of my favorite things that he and Russo did together after we released you shoot Vampiro. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. They did an entire show dissecting minute for minute. The you shoot Vampiro because they, and Vince always told me that Vampiro makes up stories about everything. So they actually did an entire show when, when Russo was first starting his podcast, Disco was the guest, and they did a they did a true or false of the entire show. Each question that was asked on the you shoot, yeah. they had to vote true or false. But it, it's 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 probably on YouTube still. You could probably seek it out. Yeah, that's where I found it. It is very entertaining. I like that one a lot. Uh, let's see here. David Davis, have you ran into Buff Bagwell since the incident? Uh-oh. No, but he owes me a show. Mm. Next time I run into him, I want it to be in front of a fucking camera so I can get my show I paid for. Man, so how how many people have no-showed? I know Tim, Conan. Uh, um, Con- yeah, Conan was just a straight-out purse snatch. Just didn't get on a plane. Uh, Bagwell showed, um, or who I thought was Bagwell, looked like him. Uh-huh. Couldn't understand what he was saying. Oh, I see. I see. He wasn't standing well either. He was, but we carried him. We carried him up to the set and uh, sat him down and uh, tried to do a show, but it just uh, wasn't going to work. And uh, let's see. No, we had some we had some no shows, but it, it, we weren't out money like uh, it, this is going to shock you. And I know he has showed up for every one of your interviews, Jackie. He's but, only uh, what's on one. Oh, Sid, go, yes, go yes. figure, Sid. 
Um, you know, I think I think he lost his wallet at the airport that day. Was 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 what I got from uh-huh. the promoter, and uh, lost the wallet and just couldn't get on a plane because he didn't have ID, credit cards, anything. So, but um, we hadn't paid for anything. You know, you you cancel the room. You you tell your crew, hey, you know, you got the weekend off, and that's the end of that. Yeah. It is too bad because uh, we have a good relationship with Sid. He even came on um, when another guest was in no condition to perform it, and he just called in and it took his place, and it's very cool. So it's uh, that's too bad because I find him a very uh, very good guy. I'm sure he would have been. I, I I was looking forward. It was a breaking kayfabe, and it's still written. I mean, it's in one of my folders down here. Yeah. You know, uh, but it you know my take on that whole thing was. Uh, the angle, I guess, that I was going to start with was that if you look at Sid and you saw like his intensity in the interviews, he should have been the biggest wrestling star for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Just because remember, we're not going to worry about, you know, anything happening off the top rope, but for that time period, for the eighties, into the nineties, his look and just his, how he came across on the camera Mm -hmm. when he looked into the lens and cut a promo, he should have been the biggest deal. But was it a matter of him always kind of getting in his own way and fucking things up or, or did, did promoters just not invest in him? Like I just wanted his take on why he's not one of the biggest names we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's a big name, but I mean, like sure. two or three names. Yeah, I agree. Because uh, in the late like eighties and NWA, and then when he went to WWF, like like I said, just look at him. Like holy shit! I mean, he looked like what you'd want in a wrestler. He's huge. He's not just big though. He's he had great facial expressions, and he came yeah. off like like this dangerous guy, and like really could. And and at that time. I never thought he was like a bad wrestler anyway, but he, it, it didn't, it wasn't as important if he wasn't like the, this technical maestro, but the stuff he did, I always thought looked like, uh, he looked impressive. He gave like real power moves and just, he yeah, had a lot of intensity and stuff. Time period. Mm-hmm. We, it's, it's all got to stay in the context of the eighties. What, what, what did Roddy Piper do in a fucking ring? He threw punches. Oh yeah. Right. Did a sleeper and kicked people. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that, that was it. Yeah. But it was, but, but that was okay because the match was, was kind of, it was it was the afterthought. It was after everything else. Once you were in the arena, you were invested in the characters. You weren't invested in what move was going to come next. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, no, that, I would have loved to have talked to Sid about that. Maybe we will someday. Yeah, because Piper was my favorite wrestler when I was a kid, like a lot of people. And uh, there's only like a handful of matches I would say like I thought were good, but it, it really that wasn't what I liked about Piper's. You know, Piper's pit and promos and just the, the exactly. whole personality. Uh, man, I sent you some more questions. Oh, I got one here. Dennis Sutter, he wants to know, if you could do a shoot interview with any wrestler alive or dead, who would it be? I get this one a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, in the context of the shows that we have, I, th- I kick myself often that we have a series called Guest Booker, and we never got to have Dusty Rhodes on Mm-hmm. Uh, I it's it profiles the 
creative minds of the business, right? So uh, Dusty left us before that could have ever happened. Um, someone like Randy Savage, yeah, who was these guys that were enigmas. I, I Randy Savage was. I talked to Lanny about it. To I, Randy Savage was the entire package. There was nothing Randy could do wrong, and it was Randy could walk across the ring from turnbuckle to turnbuckle, and almost stop the house. He moved like a star, like a wrestler. He moved like a wrestler. His his moves in the ring were for the time top notch. His promos were at the same time bizarre and compelling. He was an interesting character. You wanted to listen to what Randy had to say. He had everything. And guys like that, whether it be a wrestler, an actor, painters, you just want a tiny piece of whatever's in their head. And they probably don't even know what it is that makes them like that. I mean, geniuses don't, they may say they're geniuses, but they don't know why they're geniuses. So you I would have loved to have seen if he could have extracted any any bit of that elixir out of his soul and let us figure out how he put it together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> Randy would have been a great interview. Uh, Dusty, none of the names that would surprise you. All the bigger, more interesting, successful names in the business. Mm-hmm. It is interesting that he doesn't have, like, uh, I don't think there's any shoot interview out there with Macho Man. If there is, it's not oh. like one people already talked about. So it does, like, uh, even though it's, like, it's sad in a way, it's also kind of cool that, like, there's always the mystique about Macho Man. You really just think of him as the Macho Man. Yeah, but, like, the very company I co-own does. Oh, I sure. like to smash the mystique into a million pieces. Sure, but, right. but not... Not to destroy it, just to mm-hmm. just because, it, just to dissect it, the, the the fascination. Yeah, I think the the most, and you never had him on, but uh, it was a shooting of a bot, and and I've seen some other ones with him. They're always so disappointing, and that's Abdul the Butcher. There is one shoot interview where he sits in, I think somebody must have just gone to his restaurant, which is not there. I was in Atlanta a couple of years ago, uh-huh. and I took a, a car service, a, a Lincoln Town car, to find the House of Ribs. We pull into the joint. I get out. There's a piece of paper taped to the door, closed forever. So that was <laughs> the end of that. Um, but uh, he, somebody must have gone to the restaurant and said, paid him money because he'll do anything. Mm-hmm. And said, uh, you know, I want to do an interview. And he, like, works the whole interview. His answer yeah. for everybody is, like, it, it's one of those things. We have all these little things on the set, like uh, the Casey guys. We all, we all throw out to each other. But a powerful man, that's one of the things we throw out there. Because every question, it was like, okay, I'm going to give you a list of guys. Abdullah, give, tell me what comes to mind. What was it like working with Cactus Jack? Cactus Jack was a powerful, crazy man. So he gave these little, like, almost like a half-working explanation of all these guys. They try, Meltzer and uh, Brian tried to go into the shoot business uh, for uh, a second. And they they did Abby, I think, right? Abby was their their sole release. Yeah, it was not very good. Maybe shouldn't have started on Abby. 
<laughs> no, I mean, and it's weird. Like when I was like, uh, younger and when the first one came out, I was excited because it's like this guy I grew up watching and like he was always in character and it was like, wow, this will be cool. And it was like very, very disappointing. And never, everyone, every time since, every time I watch one. They've been yeah, I, I agree. I, I've seen a couple, and I didn't see the whole Meltzer uh, and uh, Brian one, but I saw, I guess they had some clips up on, um, when it first came out, up on YouTube that I yeah. saw. It, it was yeah, it's, it's going to be the same old Abby. Like, yeah, I think Honest John's in that one a lot, too, who uh, sadly just passed away, but that's always like his real-life manager, and like, it's uh, just like oh, they would, yeah. they'd be yeah. like, it would be mostly kayfabe. It just, it just wasn't good mm. matt ryan which kayfabe commentary interview made you the most sad almost in tears due to the story uh in tears in tears <laughs> yeah i'm not all, well yeah right. come on sean i i had uh you got a sensitive side i do i do i'm a cream puff on the inside i uh mm-hmm. You know what we we did a show with Francine this year, and I, I, I there's times I just <laughs> I feel like a heel. The, the show kind of spiraled out of control, and uh, we we began the show talking about uh, her her father passing, and and then her sister within like weeks of each other, and the whole reason that. Francine and I connected was she reached out when she saw a clip of Scott of uh, Raven, uh, I guess making some, some allegations about her and money and the, uh, for a benefit show that she ran, uh, for, I believe it was, uh, cancer or heart disease, something, some serious, uh, some serious thing. So she reached out to me and she was upset. And I said, listen, uh, we've never worked together, but uh, if you trust me, uh, I'll send you, you know, as many <laughs> shows as you want to watch of ours. And I'll give you uh, every name in the business to, to vouch for us. But if you want to come on and talk about it, I'll give you the venue to do that because you're, you're somebody who I would have wanted to do a show with anyway. Um, when, when wrestlers see something on one of our shows and they complain, like uh, oh god, who reached out? Um, oh, somebody was angry. Somebody was angry with Awesome Kong. Mm. Oh, she called. She called out someone on the show. It's I think it's in the trailer. We're doing the whole big, and the name comes up, and she turns to the camera and she goes, "Funky bitch, funky bitch, pay my aunt back for watching your damn kids." What like this whole like personal family war was was unearthed by Kong. And she actually wrote and was like, you know, she she fucking laid me out and can I answer this? And what am I going to do, a whole show with this girl? So I always offer them a spot, like on the social media. I say, I will post anything that you write in response to the show and we will advertise it, you know, to to go to the the Facebook page and, and read, and, and, and read, you know, your rebuttal. But, uh, but for Francine, I said, you know, let's, let's do the show. Talk about the Scotty thing that you saw and you know, make your case and, and we'll talk about it. And, and poor Francine, she, she, she has to relive the, the details of, of her father's passing. And her father literally died while she was holding him. And then, then her, her sister got cancer and died like weeks after that. 
and she was just so emotional. She was crying through the whole thing, and this is like the first, the first fifteen twenty minutes of the show. And I just, I just looking at her, I said, I'm so sorry that this is how it started. I mean, I wanted to talk about the Scotty thing, and so I felt, I felt very, very bad about that. She's a really nice girl, and she's really like normal, non wrestling type person. And I just felt like I got her to destroy herself on camera for twenty minutes. Uh, Matthew Fisher wants to know: Does do do you, Sean Oliver, have any rat stories? No. No, I, I was I you know I was married for the entire uh, for my whole run, brother. Uh huh. Uh, in KC. We just had a heart-wrenching story and you're asking about rats. <laughs> I know. I went from... It's like a mixtape. You have to have your ups and downs. father in his daughter's arms to Leatherface with the forked tooth in Philadelphia grating wrestlers' cocks like a chainsaw. Um, yeah, uh, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Once you get on the podcast, though, that's where all the rats come in. The podcast. Mm-hmm. I bet so. I, I, I'm oh, not even going to ask you. I don't want you guys to air your dirty laundry. Lord <laughs> knows what's going on while we listen to you guys uh, interviewing Tom Hankins about having a finger shoved up his ass by Pat Patterson, and who knows who's under Jackie's console. You're a married man, though, yourself, aren't you, Jack? No, no, I'm a single man. Oh, you are. Okay. Yeah, so you're, yeah, you're you're tearing yeah, yeah. it up. Evan. I was caught a few weeks ago buying racy videos. <laughs> <laughs> they caught me on Patreon. Yeah, the, the the marks, as you call them, caught you. Which and the, the marks caught the king, which I thought was very funny. Whoops! I didn't know Patreon told everybody what you're buying. <laughs> Damn it! It was kind of sad, though. It was like. It was like topless ASMR video. <laughs> but she she even tricked me. She tricked me. It wasn't even topless. She had a tube top on. You know, Damn. there's like the, there's the internet out there. You can find a lot of like better <laughs> stuff it was, it was, it, ASMR for free. It was it was, it was time sensitive material. I had to find out. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I had to know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh man, has there any been? Uh, hopefully not. But has there any has been any like Me Too type of things involved throughout your history with uh with the shoot interviews? Uh, we were doing <sighs> Alf Snow's You Shoot right when the that explosion happened when it was like Weinstein and then. Uh, the comedian, uh, Louis C.K. It was all like the same time. And, and it was right when we were doing the Al Snow uh, You Shoot. And we had a discussion on the set, off camera, with Al and uh, and Eric Sims. And Eric was like, you just wait until this comes to wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I said, Eric, we we heard already. This 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 is the one time that wrestling beat the mainstream entertainment world to anything, and that was when we had Mel Phillips sucking the toes and Terry Garvin putting the finger in Billy Jack's ass and all that stuff that we heard about in like '92. Remember when the Donahue show and the Larry King show and yeah. the whole Ring Boy scandal and 
what was that, Tom Cole, I think the kid's name was, or the kid, he's a man now, but who initially brought the allegations, and mm-hmm. we sat through that all already. So it, it's, it wouldn't surprise anybody now, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Wrestling was at the forefront That's of true. sexual harassment. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was just like the 30th or 35th anniversary of, of that show. I remember Meltzer did like a, a big show about it. Of the Donahue yeah, episode. I mean, it, it all, and it was that whole piling on effect that the current Me Too movement has. Like, within that one kid coming forward, you had like just they just carpet bombed the company. Uh, I think Vince was accused of raping Rita Marie, the referee in the back of a limo. Uh, that never went anywhere. I don't think, but, uh, like nobody was safe. Mm-hmm. Is, is that when the, uh, ultimate warrior in the bearskin rug was, uh, was talked about. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was some trying to find here, but someone asked uh, about Arn Anderson and if, uh, uh, if you've been approached or any interest in, uh, I'm sure, sure there'd be interest in Arn Anderson since he's looked at Yeah, of course I, I work with Arn. I, I see, I saw a shoot with Arn. Mm-hmm. When the other company, uh, I always tell people, the, when other companies release shoots, they they kind of work like AAA baseball to us. We're able to see if there is some skill there in the guest. And then I say, okay, that's somebody I'd be able to, to handle. So we know by watching their work with other companies whether whether they'd make a good uh, a good guest for KC. And I watched an Arn shoot, and he was kind of half kayfabing. Yeah. For the for the whole shoot interview, and you know that shit does. I don't. I'm not saying that he would do that now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but at the time in the I don't know maybe it was early 2000s. Mm-hmm. He was. Yeah, I remember uh, that. He was working a little bit. Yeah, that's how his book is too. His book was, uh, and that was out at a time when you know the other books weren't like that. But it, it's pretty much you know total kayfabe. The book. Yeah, I, I I read it a long time ago. I don't I don't remember. It wasn't it wasn't memorable enough. Yeah. It was remember... like stranglehold by Larry Nelson. Yes, uh, <laughs> Larry Nelson was that was a surprisingly good guest. Larry Nelson on the show in your head. Oh yeah, he was really good. Yeah. I remember Eric told us to say hi to him, like because we had Eric Bischoff on before. Yeah, yeah. And, and I didn't know that they like they hated each other. <laughs> <laughs> so he was kind of trolling the man, which yeah, he was, he was trolling him right here on the show. Yeah, yeah Eric. Uh, Eric, Eric um, I talked to Eric right around the for uh, for Father's Blood. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I wanted him to be one of the dads in the book, the the book was firsthand accounts of of wrestlers trying to raise kids while on the road in the like eighties, nineties. And uh, I wanted Eric's point of view because it would have been the one which was like the view from the top, like you know, raising kids who got to go on private jets, you know, in wrestling. Very different than you know the the other guys talking to, just trying to fight to see their children because of the road schedule but um when we first talked he he i was good with eric because we did a timeline together timeline history of wcw and uh and then uh i reached out to him and he said he would do the book and then he called me and he was really angry about i guess we had a clip in um in the trailer for tammy sitch's you shoot where she made an allegation about uh, his some uh, 
some bedroom activities that uh, that he was involved with with uh, with others, and he was he was upset about it. And you know what? I I never like to go back and and make any excuses for anything any wrestler says on the program. But the one rule that I do have, and I I think I didn't even realize that I let it slip, and it ended up in the show and probably should have been edited out, was it mentioned a family member. Now, wrestlers want to talk about wrestlers. This is what they signed up for. You know, they, they mm-hmm. sling shit at each other publicly all the time. But but somebody in a wrestler's family, they didn't sign up for that. So usually when a family member is mentioned, I'll bleep it or just we'll cut that scene from the show. And I didn't in in Tammy's show. And yeah, he pointed out, and I said, you know what? I said, I, I've never done this, but I, yeah, I will take that out of the trailer. And and we did, and then we we worked on the you know his chapter in the book, and we were fine after that. But uh, a little exclusive for you there, Jackie. Yeah. Um, I have to ask since you, since uh, the business of kayfabe is about brands and everything, wh- what is your thoughts on the return of the XFL? The return of what? The XFL. Oh, the, oh, the XFL. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it, it didn't work before. Not going to work again. It's so uh, silly. It's a great brand. Mm-hmm. Very, very valuable brand there. I will say this though, uh, huh? the the way they televised the games mm-hmm. did rub off on the NFL a little bit. I don't know how many people realize that. The uh, the kind of the floating uh, Madden to them, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> EA Sports Madden camera, like up above the action on the field, kind of uh, bringing you more into into the huddle, bringing you onto the field, kind of uh, football player's perspective. Those cameras all started with XFL. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the games were whatever. The, the I guess there was some talent that did get to move on, mm-hmm. uh, a few. But, um, but I think what Vince did was kind of what ECW did for Vince back in the day, kind of showed them how the game could be a little edgier, mm-hmm. uh, how they could add uh, a little bit of a of a darker element to the game, and uh, so I thought I always thought that was interesting. I remember being impressed uh, on on kickoff with the fact that the cameras seemed to be floating over the uh, the players from uh, shooting vertically across from end zone to end zone. Mm-hmm. My, my XFL stories, I used to, I sold a lot of XFL jerseys and merchandise on, on eBay back in the day because a local uh, chain here bought out the XFL merchandise uh, by the pound and uh, they sold a lot of it to me uh, for, for a very good deal. And uh, so one time I got a telephone call and he was he was the quarterback for the Memphis Maniacs, and he wanted to buy a bunch of jerseys because they didn't they didn't even let him keep his own jersey after wow. he played for the team. And I just thought, man, is that sad? That's pretty nuts. Yeah. The XFL, <laughs> I never thought uh, let's see the XFL come back. No. Yeah. I, I see that Ron Fuller is also spamming the kayfabe commentaries page about his uh, podcast. Yeah, he is, isn't he? I saw that again. So there's like eight of them on there. I, I, I have to get them removed. There's yeah. some other ones that we. Yeah, I, yeah, I banned him from the in your head page because he ne- if if he came on and reply once in a while to something else or 
or he came on the show once or something, but he just would go there and just spam his his show and tell people to pay for it. And it was just like, I've had enough of this. And, and then banned him from, from the In Your Head page. Yeah, you know what? While you mention that, while we're doing, let's go on right here and do that right now. Oh, we're talking. Good. Yeah. Like Taking that. care of business. Exactly. Itchman, uh, any more good questions? Or, or a really bad one, I guess. Mm. Kenny Collier, he wants to know, is CM Punk the Diva Slayer? <laughs> yeah, we're running uh, low with the good ones. <laughs> I did like that yeah. there was... There was somebody here. I can't pronounce her name because it's like in Japanese, but they just want to know if you like Sailor Moon, which I think is a is a Japanese animated cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah, well, I never got it. You know, I did. Uh, I did the American translation of not translation, the American dub of uh, an anime series called Record of Lotus War, which was, I guess, a popular anime series in the nineties, and. Um, I it was a non-union gig, so I had to uh, I had to use a different name for it, and uh, I think I used Oliver Gregory, I think, and um, I did, you know I did, it was like a cash job basically, so I did it and never really thought about it again, just kept doing the other voiceover stuff. Something like ten years later, I I just look up online and I see that this series and specifically my character's voiceover was being regarded as like one of the best U.S. translations of a Japanese anime series. And the funny thing was, because I scabbed the job, I could never capitalize on that fact. Like, I could never do appearances. <laughs> I could never do, like, a, a convention or anything. Uh-huh. I could never be photographed doing an interview about my work on the series. I had to remain completely anonymous. I felt like I was like a member of KISS. <laughs> do you still uh, work in the in the movie industry? Yeah, I still do uh I still do voice work. I did uh what have I done this year? I did a couple of episodes of Blue Bloods. Uh my lord what, what? Oh, I did a film that I actually saw. I freak. I, I do so much stuff that I and 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 so much of it. I hate to be crude, is is not memorable. So I'll forget I do it, and then I'll be flipping across on Netflix, and I'll see like four titles in the row that's on the screen, and I'll go. I I did that. I, I did that one too. I did that one too. I did that one too. Like it's like it's four romantic, stupid romantic comedies in a row. But I did one that's kind of interesting. It's a uh, called um, ha, what is it called, Jackie? Uh, How can you ever forgive me? Or can you ever forgive me? Something like that. It, it, Melissa McCarthy in a, in a dramatic role. Oh yeah, that was. I think that won an Oscar. Oh, did it win an Oscar? Okay, well yeah. there you go. I, I, I yet another Oscar-winning film. That one was pretty interesting. I did that this year, uh, or last year, I guess it was. Uh, Tom Cruise movie about him flying a plane last year. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was I a pilot well. running drugs, running uh, drugs perhaps. Oh, Jack something, wasn't it? Jack, uh, Jack American Made, I believe. American, American Made. Made, that's it. Yeah, it yeah. was American Made. There you go. Yeah, that was exciting. Uh you know, they they call and I go and I do it. 
it's yeah. it's an I guess it's one of the, it's a very small world being able to go in and do those voice gigs. For people who don't know, I was actually I start I got about twenty thousand words into a book on that industry and just because the lay person usually doesn't realize that when you're watching a scene of somebody on the phone with somebody else, there's nobody mm-hmm. else on the other line when they shoot it. When somebody comes in and sex in the city and one of the girls plays a message on the answering machine from some guy that stood her up, there's nothing on that machine. So people like me get hired to come in and just do those things. It's called looping and it's, uh, from hospital pages in hospital scenes to uh, occasionally replacing somebody's voice. I've done, I was the sex noises for Mr. Big in one scene in Sex and the City. I worked on Sex and the City for four and a half years, so I did all kinds Mm -hmm. of crazy stuff for that show. But uh, I was the slurping noises for Mr. Pussy in an episode of Sex and the City. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Mm. I have to do that. I'm about to tell my kids about that when I go back upstairs. Um, I was. Uh, I get. I get Clooney every once in a while. I think our voices are in the same mm. wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. So rather than yeah. bringing him in for you know however much a day, they can get me for far cheaper to just drop a word or a breath or a noise in here or there. Uh, I did a walk-in for uh, something in uh, the Stepford Wives. Uh, yeah, so I, I've, I've, I've gotten to do some, inter- actually, here's my claim to fame. If you've seen the film, the reader with, uh, Kate Winslet, mm-hmm. she bangs a kid through the entire film. She ends up being a Nazi at the end, but she, uh, she, uh, takes the street urchin in and he's like 16 and in turn for him teaching her to read, she bangs him for the entire film so he was legit like 16 so they they thought his noises were creepy so i went in and voiced this kid's sex scenes for the entire (laughs) film i got to leave the house for once and say to my wife all right i'm gonna go have sex with kate winslet for six hours i'll see you tonight (laughs) and uh she wasn't there for the scenes her noises were fine uh, uh, but, but mine, uh, but the other kid, the other side of it, they needed me to replace him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I was in an elevator with her about six months, <laughs> about six months after this. And it would have been a great opportunity to go, Hey, you know, we fucked for about six hours a couple of months ago. <laughs> I just, I, it would have been a great story for a podcast like this. I did not have the balls to do it for fear that she would have mm-hmm. beaten my ass. Yeah, uh-huh. she's far prettier in person than she appears uh, on camera. I mean, she appears pretty on camera too. But yeah, you know, I, I I'm realizing now that I have a six degrees of separation with her. I did uh, no, not a six degrees of separation. Yeah, I, that's like one degree. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's one. <laughs> yeah. But I did I did Wonder Wheel, which was a, a Woody Allen movie that she was in. I did that, and I did I think I have the trifecta. I did something called Revolutionary Road that her and. Uh, uh, Leo DiCaprio were in. I voiced something in there too. Mm-hmm. So three. I'm trying. I'm thinking right now. This is very exciting as I do this. Everyone's tuning out right now. It's 12:11 a.m. for Christ's sake, though. 
But yeah. uh, three of her, a couple of Nicole Kidman might be up there too with uh, with uh, actresses that I appeared voiceover wise in a film with. Mm-hmm. I played uh, Nicole Kidman's dead husband's voice in a movie called Birth, where her husband dies after a voiceover over the opening credits, and she suspects is reincarnated as a 10-year-old boy and begins to kind of live out that he's her husband through the course of the film. How's that for the creep factor? Mm. <laughs> it's right up my alley. Yeah. I'm going to ask one more question here. This is from Salvador M. So I think he's on a lot of, uh, a lot of your videos. Do you think that Timothy Guy, who does the interviews for RF, is some sort of Meza Finocchio? I believe the term, and this is not my opinion, is Meza Finoc. Uh, Finocchio is. Uh, I was like Finocchio. Is it, okay. Yeah. Uh, Finoc. It's uh, it means queer mm-hmm. in the uh, Italian slang. I don't know why Finoc is uh, means queer. Uh, perhaps it looks like lettuce, but it's not. So maybe like you know, looks like a guy but doesn't act like one kind of thing. I don't uh-huh. know. Maybe it's maybe the leaf is shaped phallic in some way, like romaine. I don't know. <laughs> Do I think he's gay? I, I, you know what? I have to confess. I don't watch enough of RF's product. I've certainly seen through the years many of RF's sure. older stuff. I have not seen any of the stuff recently that he's done. So I don't know. I know that Doug Gentry used to do some of the interviews, right? Off camera. That was the other guy that, that Rob used. And then, and you know what? I do remember he started using another guy and I think they moved on camera too. So like this guy is like the, like the, uh, the, the Sean Oliver of, of, of RF. And I think that, that Mike from high spots moved on camera too. Uh, really? uh, I haven't seen those for a while either. Sat before a laptop as well. Hmm. I don't know if he's gay, Salvatore. You'd have to ask him. But thank you for the for the, the Finoc reference. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry I mispronounced it. I'm even half Italian, but hmm. I mispronounced it. So, uh, the business of kayfabe. Where can people get that? This is incredible. I came on to plug a book. I mentioned it. I think one time in two hours and thirteen minutes. <laughs> I, I mentioned it many times. I mentioned it many times. Did I? Yeah. All right. The business of yeah. kayfabe. Yeah, available on Amazon. It's on Kindle. It's in paperback, and it'll be on Audible and iTunes as an audio book in about two weeks. So, for those of you that like me to whisper in your ear for several hours. Uh, you will be able to do that with the business of kayfabe. And, of course, the original kayfabe, the first book, is out there and available. Father's Blood, I also had a novel last year, Sophie's Journal, and my novel, my thriller follow-up called The Consultant, will be out in April? I think it's March or April. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed all your all your books, the uh, you know the uh, the nonfiction stuff, and I thought uh, Sophie's Journal was great. I have not read the new one yet, but I was uh, recovering, so I'm going to get on that. Right? Did I send it to you? I think I yeah. sent it to you for somebody else, didn't I? I yes. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll have to catch up on that, but yeah, I've been mean, kind of out of the loop on, on a lot of things. So I did look- I did I win another award this year? I know you guys do the annual award show. Did I know last year it was a banner year for me? I got I was. 
I got something, didn't I? Get a, a big yeah, you were wish. you were in yeah you were in the Hall of Fame. Uh, first time we did that uh, in your head, you know, fan Hall of Fame, and then this year uh, some cool people join you, and I can't remember. Do you remember interview one? Mm, I think Shana. you. Won, I actually think you won uh, interview of the year. I think you won okay. the whole damn thing. Yeah, yeah. I think right. you well, just beat out. Let's say, let's say we do. Who did I beat out? Uh, I'm Salvador Belomo, I believe. He oh, just passed okay. away, unfortunately. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> that was well, a surprisingly listen, it, it, good interview, too. By the way, Salvador Belomo. I have to check that out. I is it a where can I get that? Yeah, where can we get the, your interviews, Jackie? All right, if, uh, dot com, and uh, then it's on all the iTunes and Spotify and google do you play do the, uh, youtube gimmick do you do a video yes. version of them yeah yeah i put put them up on youtube too so people can a lot of people do just like to i found a lot of people find the show through youtube you know we'll put up the interviews and uh it just seems like a good place for people to check things out i don't put them up there trying Listen, to make money or anything just you know before i start uh, my before i start my podcast this year mm-hmm. ton of money in the podcasts right i mean just confirm this for me mm, well <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of good experiences doing the podcast. <laughs> you, you grew. You grew as a person and as a exactly, host. Exactly. Exactly. I will say you get a lot of things through the through the horror podcast, like uh uh you know, free tables at conventions and, and things like that. But uh money wise, uh, not so much. Well, it was a pleasure as always. Mm-hmm. I had a great time. It's always good to have you here. And uh, we'll look forward to the thirteenth time down the road. Yeah, this, do you think this was an award-winning appearance? Does it, is this interview of the year for two thousand nineteen? Well, so far it's the only one, so I believe I believe it's the front runner. There you oh, go. Christ. I'm a shoe in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Jim Listen, Powers no showed in your head, have... by the way. Too. Oh, yeah. no, he did he really? Yeah, yeah. And he had to have all the in, all the questions in advance, which is very annoying to me. So I wrote them all out, sent them, a, you know, and, uh, and then he just no-showed. I could not figure, for anyone that doesn't know what I'm talking about, the opening of my book. And I will send you that chapter for free. I think that, that's the one that was being given away if you signed up for the Sean Oliver Books mailing list. <laughs> I could not figure out what that was all about with Jim Powers. He Called the I, his manager sold him. He was a booking agent at the time. Sold me on him, and we got him in. And I rearranged my schedule for him, and he did everything he could not to be interviewed by me. <laughs> to the point where Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags at the bar asking me to interview them would have been an easier night than Jim Frickin' Powers. Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> So, it, I, over the years, I have found, for the most part, there are there are exceptions that the, uh, I mean, I think Jim Powers would be cool to have on, but the the lesser guy or not not necessarily like the main event guys, a lot of times are harder to deal with, which is very strange. A lot of like the real main talent guys are uh, very professional and easy to deal with. There's a reason they rise to the top. I said it in mm-hmm. in kayfabe in but in both businesses in entertainment. Yes. Directors I've worked with, actors that I've been on sets and in studios with, the bigger the bigger the name generally, the bigger mm-hmm. the name, the cooler they are, and that goes for wrestling too. Dealing with Bruno, dealing with Harley, um, those guys were were great. It's it's usually a a different tier of performer 
that for whatever reason has something to prove or is just a fucking head case or yeah that's generally the rule in wrestling and entertainment bigger the name cooler they are yeah now to end it though i because we didn't talk too much for one last horror question i think i might ask you about this movie but have you ever seen uh blood-sucking freaks by joel reed yeah you know what i i there was a time around 1985 where I tore through. This is when you could go rent videos for those of you that are young out there. You'd go to the video store and you'd bring the box up to the counter and then you'd rent it and bring it back the next day. Uh, and, you know, Incher was in that little room in the back behind the curtain. <laughs> yep. That was me. I remember you. Asking if. <laughs> Dog fuck three was in yet, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, I remember the cover vividly for Blood Sucking Freaks. It was like this distorted face, right? It was like a gray, yeah. blue, and it had like distorted. Was it like a corpse's face, perhaps? It was almost like their head cut open, like down the middle. Yeah, maybe. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and, it's and so, it had nothing I to do with it so movie. well. I must have seen it, but uh-huh. I don't remember the film. How about pieces? Have you seen pieces? Yeah, pieces very I well, I guess this are very good movie, but I enjoy it. And it was on a recent um like that tw- it was a 24-hour marathon that Joe Bob's did, Joe Bob Briggs did when he came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he had pieces part of that, which were entertaining. Do you still do that other podcast? Oh yeah, without your head. Uh this uh, this week will be um William Crane, the director of Blackula, which is very exciting. Oh, Blackula is a classic. Yeah, yeah. I've tried to get him on for years. I was very happy to uh, to find some information on him, and uh, he was all about coming on. So I'm looking forward to that. I don't think there's many mean, interviews how, with him up there. How old must he be? Blackula was. Yeah, it's had... been in the 70s. So yeah, I'm not sure. You know, even if he's young, he's got to be in his 60s anyway. Yeah, probably in the seventies, I would, I would guess. Well, but yeah, why I asked about, why I asked about uh, blood sucking freaks was uh, earlier today. I was asked to be part of the upcoming blood sucking freaks uh, documentary they're making as like the horror expert that uh, that they'll be interviewing. So I'm very excited. So like you're the talking head that like like I might see if I was watching sixty minutes and a story about concussions, and they talk to like a prominent uh, um, neurologist from Johns right. Hopkins. Right. Right. Uh, the expert on blood sucking freaks, but for <laughs> blood sucking freaks, That's exactly. Good. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very fitting. <laughs> yeah, so All right, good time as always, guys. You as well. <laughs> so he just turned seventy. Turned seventy this year. All right, so that's not. I don't know why I thought that he would have to be so much older than that. But if it was seventy, early seventies, maybe like seventy-one, seventy-two. Yeah, seventy-two. So Forty-five, forty-six years ago. Yeah, that makes sense. He could have been. All right, guys, let me let you go. All right, we'll let you go. It's been a great time. Always fun talking to you. And good luck with the Always book and, uh, in the future. We'll do it again. All right. Take care. This is Vince Russo, everybody, and you are listening to In Your Head, bro. All right, and we're back here once again at In Your Head, and a big thanks to Sean Oliver from Kayfabe Commentaries, author, Shoot interviewer, all around good guy. I like Sean Oliver. I hope, no just hope he hasn't got me in any heat with the Inchman. No, no, I think you're good. Yeah, you're good. He just likes having fun. 
Mm-hmm. He loves the Inchman, and Inchman loves everybody. Yes, everyone. That could be everything is beautiful in its own way. The man who loves everybody, the one mm-hmm. inch boss. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> I don't know if that's that name's very marketable, but why not? If you love everybody, it's open to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know I'm saying. So earlier today, Incher, I was asked, and this is true, I'm not making this up. I was asked to be a guest on Mommy Talk Live. Mm. Are you going to do it? No. I, th- I think they have me confused. Like, maybe they think I'm Nell Jones or something. You know, my, my shoot name. Because uh, what what would I bring to, to a show called Mommy Talk Live? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I should follow up on this. Maybe make sure they have the right person. <laughs> but these are the actual topics they said we discuss in the email. Homemade soap. Mm-hmm. I know nothing about that. I know a little bit about it. I know really? they sell some molds at the uh, AC Moore where you can, um, you know, pour the the soap and make yeah. some. Yeah, make some molds. Maybe, Maybe we, we can make the. Together. Yeah, we can make the very own, like, in your headline of soap. We like Fight Club. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, women's issues. Okay. Uh, no, I don't know. Parenting. Don't, I don't <laughs> have kids. I don't want kids. Mm-hmm. Kids. Kids. What if I just came on like, I don't want kids. I really don't like kids. Uh, <laughs> makeup tips. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Self-help and more. Maybe I just come on and talk about an- the and more part. I'm afraid what your and more would be. Well, so do you want? Uh, what if I could work it out where you could come on with me? You could be my my heel mind soap expert. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, I want to dare call myself an expert, but I have seen these the molds that they sell at uh, AC Moore. Where you can pour your soap, and mm-hmm. I found it interesting. I think they even had like some fragrances that you could add to the soaps. So. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we were going to make in your head soap, let's say we made a Jackie Jones soap and we made a one inch bicep soap, what would you want in the in the intra soap that you would like feel that would give out like the essence of intra? Hmm, the essence of intra. Hmm. Uh, like maybe like uh, what's like a pinball like den smell like? <laughs> there is a distinct smell whenever you lift a playfield to a pinball machine, and it's like oh, it's like always the same in every one that you opened, and oh. it's kind of a moldy kind of <laughs> weird smell. I don't know. It's just like years of just uh, you know. Spent sitting around being beat on or something, but yeah, it's a very odd smell. I don't know if I'd want that to be my essence. <laughs> the essence of Incher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what do you, I don't know? What do you think? Chicken nuggets? Mm, chicken nuggets, or uh, maybe nuggets. like a barbecue kind of smell? Or... Barbecue's good. <laughs> <laughs> just just make you where you smell like people want to eat you or something. 
Well, that could be good. You can make make the make the ladies, you know, salivate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very much so. So, so the intro soap would just smell like barbecue. I I don't know. I I can't think of a fragrance that would really sum me up. You kind of put me on the spot with this, but barbecue and like circuit breakers or something. (laughs) I don't know if that's a good mixture. Uh, How about about the Jackie Jones like soap? Mm -hmm. What would that smell like? Like tea? Um, Tea and scallops. Tea in the tea, sea. Tea and scallop soap. <laughs> you like mm. the scallops. Mm, all right, let me get my foot up here. Sit back. It's cold out tonight, Incher. Mm, I it's bet a, it is. It's a cold night, so I want the heady to sit around by the computer. That's like the modern-day fireplace. Mm-hmm. Stories are told. And we're going to warm you up, maybe not physically, but we will warm you up emotionally and spiritually. You better believe it. Now, Jack, I have to make a confession here tonight. Uh Uh-oh. You're gay? No. Uh, Having a baby? No. It's nothing this dramatic. but all right. I did not watch Monday Night Raw, uh, the, the, uh, the full version. Mm-hmm. I watched the Hulu compressed version. Oh, I have to say, I think you missed a very good show. I enjoyed the whole really? program. Mm-hmm. The entire thing? Yeah. Overall, I would say yes. I mean, if I think about it, maybe there's something like, you know, that wasn't crazy about But overall, I enjoyed the whole show. Uh, I've seen bits and pieces, but I, I know they edit out a lot. Mm-hmm. Because, like, they made a mention of uh, Kurt Angle defeating Jinder Mahal, and I was like, I did not see that part. Really? Cut out? That's too Yeah. Bad. That they was act- all cut out. Yeah, they actually, for once, he came out, I was like, oh, man. Because I just thought, like, if they're going to make Kurt Angle look like a schmuck, I'd rather just not see him. But he had, like, a you know, quick match. He beat Jinder Mahal, then he beat the hell out of the, the Singh brothers. I was like, oh, that mm-hmm. was fun. That's, like, what I want to see but with the legend. Excellent. And I really liked the, the, the Roman Reigns segment. Yeah, that was good. I saw that. And it was uh, nice that the crowd was into it. They were cheering him. Mm-hmm. I was really hoping they wouldn't boo the man and he's come back from cancer. <laughs> I would hope they wouldn't be that heartless. But good on you, wrestling fans. You did not boo Roman Reigns. Yeah, but then after the show, I saw all these fans online you know, accusing him of faking his cancer. And I was just like, come on, guys. I don't, yeah, I just don't think they would do that. I mean, that would be awful if that got out like that. He's faking an, a sickness. Yeah, and he's been he's been on, like, real shows talking about it, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I just I don't, don't think, think they would go that low. No. No, there's no way. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty shitty. I mean, he looks pretty good. I mean, all things considered. Which is good. Great. But I'm saying he has to. I mean, that that, that couldn't be a lie. There's no way. No. I don't know a lot about leukemia. I think I knew. I do. I heard people talk, you know, there's different kinds and stuff. So his is in remission and Mm -hmm. great. Yeah, I'm I'm happy for the man. Mm Mm-hmm. 
As some people say, well, he didn't lose his hair, but I, I've known people. I, John Dugan's a friend of mine, and uh, he had cancer. Actually, had part of his uh, jaw removed and uh, went through chemotherapy, and uh, he didn't lose his hair. So it's not like you're just you automatically lose your hair. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it was a, I thought it was a great segment, and uh, I, I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I did like the fact that they came in and and pretty much saved. Uh, um, Dean Ambrose, I kind of even would have liked to fall three like hugged, even though I don't think it would make much sense in the storyline. But what the hell, yeah. I would like to see it. It would have been nice, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was good. Um, I really liked. Uh, I think this is the third week in a row that I think the uh, the revival had really good matches on uh, on Raw this week. They worked with uh, with Alistair Black and uh, Ricochet. That was an excellent match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, I'm glad that they let some of the NXT guys come up and uh, wrestle, do yeah. some good I'd, matches, and I'd like to see them go for the tag belts. I did see Alistair Black was doing the uh, you know the old uh, belt uh, gesture where he's like you know going across his his waist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's either that or he was hungry. He was saying, "I think that's more for like a uh, belly rub." I guess is more like if you're full. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I need food here. But I would say it's the belt that he's wanting. So people are saying that was, you know, the thing. Not a lot of people. I saw people saying it's fake. But then it was weird because then I saw wrestling fans who thought Ronda Rousey really relinquished the title and, like, quit the WWE. And Mm. I was like, man, these wrestling fans, like, (laughs) they don't want to believe, like, you know, real sickness. So then, like, they Mm -hmm. they believe, like, something that's obviously a storyline. Mm-hmm. On television. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was fake. Yeah. And then I was a big fan of Batista on the show. Some people are mad. I, you know, as I get older, I, uh, it's like I don't want to hate stuff. And so I'm mm-hmm. not saying everything's great and that I just think everything's great. But the people who just bitch about everything, it really gets on my nerves. It's like if you just hate everything, like you just should just stop watching something. So yeah. basically you had the uh you know the happy birthday Ric Flair celebration going on in the ring. Mm-hmm. You had Sting out there, you had Shawn Michaels, Ricky mm-hmm. the Dragon Steamboat. They really made you know, made it look like they're about to celebrate Ric Flair's birthday. Yeah. Yeah, and then Batista interrupted uh, from the back and he, apparently I guess he beat up old man Flair. Yeah, for his birthday. So. I thought it was a good angle. It was very surprising. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was like, have I got your attention now, Hunter? Yeah, and it played into, like, the tweets he's been doing for, like, the last year. Makes it, well, I don't know if all these, if they started real, then, like, now that we're just going to incorporate in the storyline, or maybe, you know, it was a setup all along, but it doesn't matter because uh, I am invested in this. I'm invested. It's like, this asshole beat up Ric Flair. You're, like. One of my heroes on his 70th birthday. That's like a real heel tactic. So I thought this was a good angle. I want to see it. I want to see Triple H and Batista. Yep. That'll be good for WrestleMania. I saw people on the internet. They're like, oh, this news, Batista's a part-timer. And I'm like, oh, I hate that saying so much. The part-timer. Mm-hmm. It's like, whose spot is he taking? <laughs> Are you not going to now see Connor on, on the show? Do you want to see him in Guardian, uh, the uh, Guardian of the Galaxy, or 
whatnot. Or, I mean, he he's got to go away to do movies. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to do that now. He did say he wasn't going to do it once they fired a gun, but we'll see. Yeah, I think he cave. I don't know. I'll bet I, he'll cave. I respect him if he doesn't. If he doesn't do it? Yeah. Mm. I think it's good to stand by your friends. I know you're not like a real loyalist, but I think it's good to, st- to ha- stand by your word and stand by your friends. Well, I was just saying I thought uh, Dave Batista would cave. Really wasn't talking about myself, but... Yeah, we'll we'll find out. But um, I don't know. You know, who knows all the details? Maybe, maybe Gunn will tell him, "Hey, take the money and do the do the movie." But I know his thought that he might that Gunn might do um, Suicide Squad too, and then there was a possibility that uh, Batista w- would then uh, do DC movie. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Think it's all been settled yet. Hmm. We'll see. But yeah, I hate the look WrestleMania. It's fun to be see the big stars. It's fun to see guys you don't see wrestle all the time. Triple H is a big star. Batista is a big star. They have a history. Now they have a, a great angle going on. I have no problem with this match. Mm-hmm. Seems like a good one. Yeah, I'm I ready thought, for it. Yeah. I like the wrestling. And then uh, SmackDown. I've actually enjoyed, I think, uh, WWE like this, these last two weeks. SmackDown, I watched most of it, but I was also, you know, booting stuff up for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like that it's like the exact same storyline with Becky. You know, McMahon just comes out and says Becky's out of this match, and now Charlotte's in it, and he just comes out. Kofi's out of this uh, match, and Kevin Owens is in it. It's like the same exact thing. Hmm. So Kevin Owens is back in the picture. Yeah, he's in the title match now with Daniel Bryan for Fastlane. Did they explain why he he's doing all these weird promos? Nope. I was like, totally forgot. Because it makes no sense. All right, I could see the Charlotte with 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 um, McMahon because she's tall, blonde, whatever. But Kevin Owens, for one thing, he had like this feud with the McMahons where he headbutted the old man. And then had like a blood feud with... with uh, Shane McMahon, was that just last WrestleMania or maybe the year before? And, you know, they mm-hmm. had the big match. And, and so now all of a sudden he's the chosen guy for for McMahon. And why would McMahon choose like this, you know, this fat dude who looks, you know, very average and stuff? That's like the opposite of what McMahon would choose for his chosen guy. Mm-hmm. It's not a good storyline. And it's the exact storyline we're seeing with Becky. Exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is this the build up towards a uh, fast lane or right, right. My yes. only guess is maybe they're gonna put Kofi then in WrestleMania instead of Fast Lane. Which mm-hmm. I would I wouldn't mind that it'd be for that. Or are they trying to turn it into a three way, maybe? Yeah, I don't I don't like three ways. So all these storylines yeah. lead to three ways. I think it's it's much more compelling if it's just Kofi going for title. It was weird too because the McMahons are like I think Shane said, or no, it was the commentators I think said like this is the first time that Kofi will ever challenge for the world title. And I was like, well, how's that possible? We just saw it on, on Elimination Chamber. Mm-hmm. How can it be the first time? You're lying. We just saw it. And you can really see how the McMahons think of black people because. 
the the new day come out and they start driving and putting on big smiles and start clapping and dancing around. I was like, I think this is how the McMahon's act when when they see a, any black guy. Uh, I don't know. The McMahon's act like that when they're around them, so. or yeah, I think oh. so. Huh. But what yeah. do you what do you just grab like your shotgun and hide? No, I'm not. I, I'm not a racist guy. I'm just. I meant more. You're just scared. <laughs> okay. Are you are you asleep? Are you sleep, half asleep or something? No, I'm just. Uh, you know, you're <laughs> you're offending me with all of your. Uh, uh, I, a bit ago, I was uh, I was a disloyal person, and now I'm a racist, and uh, it's just uh, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun tonight. <laughs> well, what what did talk about something? What's going on with with Fincher and the Rassen? I did not see SmackDown, so I'm not too uh, familiar what happened on the show. But uh, well, Matt Hardy came back. That was cool. We had the the Hardy Boys. Oh, okay, I know they've been teasing like he might try to go somewhere else yeah he looked really good he lost a lot of weight moved moved much better which mm-hmm. is good because he was kind of sad seeing matt hardy uh, the last like i enjoy the character but just him walking like he just looked like he was in a lot of pain mm-hmm. um uh, so uh, did he have trouble with uh, his neck or something or i know that they were talking he might had to re- have to retire but yeah i think it's probably just you know all the uh, the trauma to his body over the years. Mm-hmm. I remember he was doing like physical therapy, see if that would help. So uh, hopefully he did. Yeah. Huh. I will say though, taking it off subject a little bit because uh-huh. I haven't seen SmackDown, but there is one thing that happened in the professional wrestling world. And I wasn't aware of it because I, I, I'm watching some old Ring of Honor stuff. It's not that old. It maybe happened a week or two ago. And a match that I love, Zack Sabre Jr. taking on Colt Cabana. And for some reason, I think Colt Cabana just wanted to take the entire match. Zack Sabre Jr. got like no offense in on him at all, hardly. Really? And, and for some reason, Colt just kept cutting him off. Every time he went for a move and just doing something, and I love that match just because I hate Zack Sabre Jr. Man, and he did get the win in the end, but I think that was probably the uh, that was the negotiations going on behind the scenes. Maybe like I get all the match if you're going to win this one. Maybe Colt didn't want to do the jobby job. I don't know, but everything that Colt Cabana coming on our show and. Acting like a jackass. It has all been forgiven on my end. I Man. love him. I love him for cutting off Zack Sabre Jr. on every one of his silly little offense moves. So you're love like it. living vicariously through, through uh, Colt Cabana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. But it did suck that he had to lose. I would have liked to see just a straight-up squash match where he won in the end. But... Zach just left, and he didn't. There wasn't much in ring, uh, you know, celebrating or anything afterwards. So I don't know. I just detected like they were not happy with one another. So 
I could be wrong. Maybe there's a few brewing there. I haven't seen all of the show. That was from the Florida show that they had recently. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it was on the... Um... Why isn't Colt ever in talks? You never hear him mentioned in the AEW stuff. Is he not buddies with those guys? Well, he does do commentary for Ring of Honor, but I don't know if it's like he has a contract or anything. Maybe he does. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah. I was always uh, surprised TNA never tried to bring him in either. There was a time he was really, I mean, he still is like popular, but there was a time he was had a lot, a big following. I think, mm-hmm. especially when he was doing his show and, you know, not all the other wrestlers were doing podcasts yet. Yeah. And I really thought like he could be like an indie guy. You could build a show around. I, I don't know if you could anymore, but there was a time I thought that. But it, But I don't know if he's hard to get along with or what, but. Didn't seem like I never heard talks of like TNA, you know, even trying to get him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess they never really did go after Colt, but he was in WWE, so uh, you would have thought that would be somebody they would go after. Yeah. He probably should have went a little bit later because I bet he would have done well in NXT, mm-hmm. and then that possibly could have uh, led to him doing something in WWE. He looks like he, a, big, a big run in, TN, in NXT anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks like he has some good keg running skills. We could run around the ring with the keg a lot. Do you think Alistair Black and Ricochet would have done well on, on that version of NXT? <laughs> no, probably not. And they gave him like a, a mentor and they'd give him the most unsuitable mentor that they could give him. Yeah, who would have been like a good mentor for Ricochet? For Ricochet, probably a big show. <laughs> uh-huh. so you've got to make this guy look even smaller. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Big you... show. So uh, they had a good match. It was uh, Alistair Black and um, and uh, Ricochet versus uh, Rusev and, uh, and uh, the pervert on, uh, on SmackDown. <laughs> And so in the in the back, though, is like, oh, you don't look impressive, blah, blah. But this is, uh, well, the match was very good. But um, let's let, let me some. I don't know if you saw this, but Lana's like selling her clothes online. Oh, she is? No, I didn't see this. Like her dresses and like, uh-huh. and like stuff she wore on Total Divas and oh, autographs yeah. like Rusev shirts. And uh-huh. this made me think, like, are they hard up for cash or something? I don't know, but where could you find this uh, clothing apparel that she's selling? I don't know if there's, like, used uh, underwear or anything, though, interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, we could have a soap coming to In Your Head called The Essence of Lana. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's soap that's oozing out of you. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, by the way, um, Shaheen mentioned instead of barbecue sauce... It, it should be barbecue dry rub. Mm, that's true. That is true. I'm trying to find, the, but it was on the In Your Head uh, message, uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash group slash IYH wrestling. Apparently there was some, uh, there was, da- I think, Dash Wilder and somebody mm-hmm. else. Um, who's the pothead in, in uh, NXT? The pothead. The guy wrestles barefoot. Oh, yeah, the MMA guy. He comes yeah. out and he kicks his sandals off. Yeah, what's his name? God, I can't remember. Jason something, ain't it? Um, 
Yeah, you got me on that one. Well, anyway, they had nude pictures out, nude photos released. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like the Kevin Owens situation. It's like if he says it's fake, that's that's fine. I, I'm okay. They're fake. Well, but Ju- <laughs> Juju I just don't see these out. Juju said the other dude has a really hairy butthole. Uh huh. So I, so like, was he just like, was he doing like the Brian Knobs in the photo? Maybe the other dude, the 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 sandal guy. Yeah, yeah. Huh. He looks like he's like he shaves a lot too. So yeah, maybe. maybe he just shaves everything but the butthole. He like he th- he feels there's a reason for the butthole hair. Man. I'm just wondering what kind of picture you take where you can notice a hairy butthole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like something like could. I mean, unless he's unless. I don't Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, thank you, Owl. Matt no. Riddle. Matt so apparently Matt Riddle has a hairy butthole. Huh. I don't I don't think you take pictures of your butthole for women. Or I don't think many women are into like dudes' buttholes. No, probably not. Especially hairy buttholes. Sound well, hairy hole. But here we go is uh CJ's closet on Poshmark. Someone, someone bought a wrestling gear for two thousand dollars. That one's oh, not for sale. Why does it say two thousand? It's not for sale. Uh, Bikini worn on TMZ went for four hundred bucks. Incher. Oh yeah. Polka dot went uh, one piece. What would you do if you got a bikini owned by Lana that was worn by Lana? Mm Mm-hmm. What wouldn't I do? Would you? Would that be you know, uh, quote unquote, trophy? <laughs> I'd hang it on my wall. Yeah, yeah. Be dripping in the essence of venture. <laughs> no, 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 no. Got to keep it pristine. WrestleMania thirty dress, six hundred bucks. Six hundred bucks. That's... I don't know. I don't know what the WrestleMania thirty dress looks like. Just a little black dress. Yeah. A signed Happy Happy Lana Day or a Roos, Happy Rusev Day, two hundred bucks each. Mm-hmm. Wonder how Rusev feels about that. I don't know. He might have a hairy butthole. <laughs> a custom red suit, twelve hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, wore it on. Uh, uh, total divas, just like a like a tracksuit. I think two hundred fifty bucks. Man, that's a steal. It's like tons of this stuff. I can't name everything. It's mostly, but it's all between two hundred and twelve hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Right here's some for a thousand. A velvet dress. Velvet's nice. So would you would you try to wear this stuff or? Yeah. Like smell it or <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you 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 can uh, draw the conclusion there, Jack. Mm-hmm. Just thinking what would what would the intro do in your own head? A sequin dress I wore once on Monday Night Raw. It went for, it was she was asking for three hundred bucks. It went for hundred and forty bucks. Some of the stuff, like, I guess you can haggle. Mm-hmm. You can talk her down on some stuff. Right. 
Yeah, that was a less than half what it was originally going for. Dang. I'm going to put up my boxer shorts because, like, uh, I had to buy all new boxer shorts because my old ones are too big. Mm-hmm. Down a couple sizes. I'm going to start. I, I'll wear them one more time and put them up here. Like, these are the boxer shorts I wore when I interviewed Sean Oliver. How much do you think I should would should charge for something like that? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, twenty five bucks. Twenty five bucks. Mm-hmm. I guess that would be bad. Is that how much you'd pay? <laughs> no, it's not how much I'd pay. I don't oh. want them at all. Oh man, I just know there's a lot of big marks out there who would be like, "Yeah, Jack's worn underwear, Robert. interview worn underwear." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it would have a crossover Sean Oliver, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fabe commentaries. That'd be cool. Heck what yeah. if I sent you one for free to frame? No, I don't want your underwear, Jack. Mm. Kind of sexist. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. I saw something the other day, and it's like, Again, I've always considered myself a liberal guy, but they take everything too far. And they're saying that it's um, it's uh, transphobic to not date uh, transsexual. So, like, if a if a dude cuts his wiener off and you know inverts his balls and stuff and becomes a woman, which I'm fine, you do whatever you want. But if if you don't want to date that person, then you know you're a bigot. I just mm-hmm. think that's very strange. Well, I don't know. In a way, it just seems like a lot of this is just forced upon people, and you're not allowed to think the way you want to think. But I mean, what yeah. if you don't? If you don't want to date, you know, uh, a redhead or something? I mean, that's just mm-hmm. your own personal preference. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean you're a bigot. Hmm. Like you don't want to do the person harm or nothing. You just you just don't right. want to be involved in a relationship with them. Right. Not saying that they they shouldn't be alive or or be able to find happiness, but just mm-hmm. if you personally don't want to be involved with them, I don't see why that's a why that's bad. Yeah. Your it's your own your own deal. Mm-hmm. Not like you have to date anyone who wants to date you. Correct, sir. Correct. So I, I saw you were gigging yourself. Yeah, I was shaving my head today, and uh, uh, I cut myself like almost on the forehead. It was pretty close to the forehead, and uh, mm-hmm. I was like, "Jesus!" Like I'm blading myself or something. <laughs> but it, it's a pretty, pretty good cut. Uh, you know, you just I uh, have the sa- safety razor going away at it, and you you never know when you know it just. It happens, and you're like, "Oh shit!" I know did that's a hit, bad one. Did you hit like a gusher? Was it just you know? No, I bled a little bit, but uh, next time you should take some uh, aspirin. Mm-hmm. And I always like uh, sit down on the floor. Like, it always looks like they're shitting or something whenever they're trying to push the blood up to their, <laughs> you know, because because they're kind of grunting almost, like you know. <laughs> uh-huh. I believe on Stranglemania. Uh, J or or Violent J or um oh the other one the Shaggy, Shaggy Two dope. dope yeah sorry I was wanting to call him Silent Bob and I'm like that's the wrong group but uh one of them like whatever a guy sat down on the floor and he was doing that and they're like look at him 
he's shitting himself because <laughs> he's trying to push the blood up. Uh, so I don't know how you can't find ICP funny. I mean, if you watch those videos, I mean, sure they are uh, pretty pretty uh, gruesome at times, but they are pretty damn funny. Yeah, I agree. So, at <laughs> so one you... time there was a guy blading himself, and like he's like, "Get that shit off camera! You're not supposed to be seeing that." Because <laughs> it was it was obvious he had a blade, and he was cutting his forehead. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you think like eventually you'll look like like Abdul the Butcher or New Jack? If I keep slipping up like that, yeah. Uh, I've I've like uh shaved with a straight razor before. I'm kind of just giving up on it because it's so damn hard to get your chin. Like I can get the cheeks all right and everything, but like I guess my chin hair is really coarse, like a lot of people's, and uh, it's really hard to do that. And I thought about like shaving like my head with a straight razor, and then I thought, oh hell. It's like, I can't fucking do that. I mean, like, you're shaving behind your head and everything with a straight razor. That would be hard as hell a bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm I'm not willing to do that because I don't want to, like, cut myself up, like, be looking like I'm a professional wrestler or something, like, with a mound of scars on my forehead, you know? Yeah. So, so did it leave, like, a, a bad scar? I don't know. I just did it today. Oh, all right. So uh, <laughs> hopefully it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it it was pretty sharp uh, razor, and uh, it cut me. So it happens. Did you it like happens. the feel of it, or you're like, damn, I'm fucking oh. hardcore now? No, oh, I hated it. I wish I hadn't have done it, but it happened. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I hope. I think it'll heal up. I hope so. I th- it's, you know, it's just one cut. So yeah. You think it just like making up a story about it, like you know, mm-hmm. you got this in like a knife fight, a bar. I could have, yeah, if I had thought about it, but I was just uh, sending you a picture before I gigged myself accidentally. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Inchman, I was looking on WWE.com here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always like to check out clearance and new stuff. And so anyway, at the top, they got some, you know, uh, they got like advertising three of these new things. Whole bunch of new Ric Flair t-shirts. That's very cool. T-shirt and dolls and whatnot. So a whole bunch, tons of Nature Boy stuff. Like, like honestly, like 30 different t-shirts of Ric Flair. Mm. So they advertise that. Then they advertise this uh, Rock'em Socks box. So it's a box, and you get three pair of Macho Man socks, which I'm thinking that's cool. Fifty nine ninety nine for three pairs of socks, sixty dollars, oh, twenty bucks a pair for a pair of socks. <laughs> Did he wear them or anything? I mean, go on. <laughs> God damn. And then the other thing is, uh, WWE's partnering with Bixler Jewelry, so you can buy all kinds of uh, like rings. Because I, you know, I. You want to buy this in for the Alexa Bliss Sterling Silver Ring? Mm-hmm. I need that. I need it. An Asuka bracelet, one hundred and fifty bucks. Oh man! Uh, <laughs> Sterling <laughs> silver earrings. 
Yeah, it's like jewelry. You know, you don't get like big slogans on it or anything. Like most of the time, jewelry is just well, unless you're like a rap dude and you want to have like a big money symbol or, or yeah. I don't know, a big clock or something. But like most of the time, it's just you know, it's something personal uh, to the person. Uh, you know, but, I do have some uh, Universal Monster rings, like uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon and. Mm-hmm. Wolfman, Frankenstein, and the Mummy, and but uh, but they're not sterling silver. They didn't pay like 150 bucks a piece for them. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Seems pretty dumb. Yeah, it is kind of crazy. And they also have a bunch of Bianca Belair merchandise. That's on clearance. No, it's new. Just now. Oh, oh I see. Bianca Belair. I'm not a big fan. I've only seen the match with her on uh, Shayna Baszler on NXT TakeOver. Yeah. That's all I really know of her, so... Mm-hmm. Wasn't crazy about it. I think she... Shayna Baszler's had better matches. I agree. That's weird. She's, like, whipping people with her hair. hmm Not a huge fan. But no. I think she, she just seemed green, though. I do think maybe she'll get better. Hopefully, yeah. Over time, over on the clearance side, the first like three, four, eight, twelve, sixteen, like the first twenty things are all AJ Styles stuff. Hmm. AJ Styles. A lot of so is he not moving Bliss. the merchandise? I don't know. Tim Alexa. and a lot of Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss ain't moving the merchandise. Maybe. Oh, a pretty sweet Bam Bam Bigelow t-shirt. What's with Alexa being horny over Finn? She's just like horny over dudes anymore. Yeah. She was like, you show me your abs, which he's sitting there topless. Can't mm-hmm. you just look over and see him? Well, he had the belt covering him up, I think, is what the deal was. He's always out there topless, walk around the back mm-hmm. topless. Can't you just see him anytime? Yeah, you would think. And she's like, I'll show you my, what do you think she was going to show him? Oh. Hmm. A hairy butthole. <laughs> I don't know if that would be that uh, appealing, but and I don't think there's any girl out there that's uh, you know, wanting to show off her hairy butthole. Yeah, yeah. Just the butthole though would be nice. <laughs> that's it's an interesting starting point. It's just like <laughs> You right show me your abs, and I'll show you my butthole. <laughs> uh huh. I think mm-hmm. it'd be a good way to get the, get him to do it, though. Well, I don't know. I guess it depends who you're talking to. He'd probably be like, mm, "No, I'm not that interested." You got a new pair of Legos. <laughs> but there, there was like some social media posts and that you were sending that uh, is probably a fake Finn Balor. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a fake Finn Balor. <laughs> it was just like. Supposedly sending this woman like uh, direct messages, just like you like to fuck, <laughs> and she's trying to get him fired from WWE, and yeah, yeah, and I'm it, pretty sure it's fake. Yeah, I believe it was allegedly it was a fake Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. If it is the real fake Finn Balor, and he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> so I don't want to take credit for that. What do you think about these guys who uh, recently re- let go by WWE? Do you think they could? Possibly form like a faction and be bigger than the NWO. Ty Dillinger. He was let go. 
Hideo Atami. Well, he asked for his release, right? So did Ty Dillinger. Ty Dillinger did too. Yeah. Really, man. And TJP. TJP. They're all three pretty, like pretty much bums, in my opinion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I do respect someone who, if they're not happy and they think they can do better elsewhere. For asking there for asking for their release, I I I, uh, I think that's commendable. Mm-hmm. So, are they? You think they're going to go to AEW or, or? I didn't know this, but uh, Ty Dillinger was tag team partners with Cody Rhodes, like before he was even Cody Rhodes back in. I don't know if it wasn't. I think it was pre NXT. Like Georgia I didn't know Ty, wrestling. Or... I didn't know Ty Dillinger was around so long. Yeah, I didn't know he was either. Huh. Huh. I don't like okay. I'm fine with, you know, I mean it's great to bring in people, you know, who who didn't get their uh their just due somewhere else, but like do you want to be like the company that's like just bringing in guys like Ty Dillinger? No. Well, even Jerica was saying on the um interview with Tony Khan there that they're not looking for just WWE cast off kind of guys. Yeah. So I think in a way he was saying that just to be like, guys, cool it. Don't not everybody's gonna be hired by this company. Mm-hmm. Like in a way I think he kind of wants to help his friends. But I don't know. I mean maybe maybe there's something more to Ty Jellinger that we just didn't see. I have no idea. And if so, that would be great. That, I mean, that would be cool if he came there and like, holy shit, I can't believe this is Ty Dillinger. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. It don't has happened in the wrestling company. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, it happens a lot of times. But uh, well, we'll have to just wait and see where he ends up. I, I know Impact could probably use some people if they got the cashola. Mm-hmm. But uh, So I guess TJP was the only one that was actually fired. The rest just uh they they wanted to go like they fired tjp i yeah. wouldn't think they would just fire him did he do something that means he sucks <laughs> well that normally keeps you a job <laughs> <laughs> they're just like holy shit maybe vince mcmahon finally saw him they're like well why is this guy high? what in the <laughs> hell pal <laughs> he was pr- honestly this is no like i'm not exaggerating He's probably my least favorite guy in, in the whole all of WWE. I could never stand him. Mm-hmm. I hated well, his gimmick. Like he'd come out and nothing against video games, but it's like how why would how would this help you in wrestling that you like <laughs> like old video games? Yeah, I kinda I kinda realize that as well. It does not translate <laughs> to a good wrestling character. Yeah. It's just uh there, there's just things you can't really make work in the wrestling world. So. Yeah, it's like this guy's like a D and D player, and like I like D and D, but you're like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't make you think like, what? I bet that guy's a kick-ass professional wrestler. <laughs> uh huh. It didn't make me interested in whatsoever. I don't know. There's nothing. There's something about the guy. I haven't just seen him and be like, man, I just want to, just want to see someone just pound this man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just did not like him. Mm, well, so long to you, TJP. Happy trails to you. Shit. You can come uh, on the show, though, if you want. 
Yeah, that would be cool. We'd like to talk to you. I'll talk to you about video games. I can talk oh, about hey. old video games. Except I'm probably older than you, dude. I probably know, you know, about like older systems. You're probably like more of the 64 kind of guy. I'm more of the original Nintendo kind of guy. Or back in the day when the, the N64 came out. Yeah, I remember like he was talking to Kendrick and he said, he's like, you know, I borrowed your N64 and it's like... God, so that's just that feels so out of place. <laughs> yeah, that was the last system I had. That was, was when I was, I was like, I've had enough of this gaming stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I was like, from I was like Atari and Nintendo. I think ColecoVision in there, and then Atari. Well, I mean, Atari before that, then uh, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and uh, then sixty four. Bam, and he was done. <laughs> now, I actually did have a Jaguar too. You had an Atari Jaguar? Yeah. Because uh, like KB Toys, the the Toys are, what was the, uh, no, maybe it was just KB. Yeah. They were selling like super cheap one day. Yeah, so, I remember that. So I bought it in a bunch of games. It was fun, but like none of them were, you could save, which took away a lot. Mm-hmm. That was like old school. Like when you, that was, I had a friend, uh, I'm, I don't remember what game it was, but it was one of the ones you couldn't save. And I think it was on Nintendo. And so he would just, he left it on for days. Like he'd play before <laughs> school. He'd leave it on while he was, you know, going to school uh-huh. and, home and play it and leave it on at night. <laughs> yeah. That's not good for it. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, like uh, the good thing is if you get a game and it has passcodes, uh-huh. you just take out your phone and snap a picture of it. Uh-huh. So you don't even have to write it down or nothing. Yeah. It is weird it to think. Easy. When you know the Nintendo when it came out, and they had like, I think they got away from that later on. But they, you know, when it first came out, they showed like the different, like genres of the games, whatever. So it had you know the gun one, the robot one, and action one, whatever. And then it had like the the password ones. It was like Kid Kid Icarus and Metroid. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, it just became norm after a while. But uh, it was pretty wild yeah. at the time though having a game where you could save it. Oh yeah. Yeah, actually, I think Metroid in uh, Japan was a disc game, and you could save it, like, on the disc. You didn't even have to have a passcode. So, that was pretty spiffy. Mm-hmm. Man. Want to get TJP. to these questions? Yeah. Are, you, are you upset? Uh, no, I'm not upset. I will say, though, the uh, impact in between the commercial show mm-hmm. is um, they have Melissa Santos... She's doing like the announcing for Impact now, the um, backstage interviewer and all that. Right. Uh, her and Don Callis was on this week for in between the commercials, and uh, I don't know. She 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 didn't realize that she had to mute her uh, or like use headphones, mm-hmm. and like it just kept echoing whenever she first started, and it was just like, oh my god, this is terrible. But and then she started eating while like the show was going on, and I was like, uh-huh. then Brian Cage wandered in, and he had like a bunch of Oreos he was just destroying. So <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. And then they had Al Snow on at the end. I guess they're going to be doing a show from uh, OVW pretty soon, and Al Snow was uh being interviewed by Don Callis. So, but uh. Good. Uh, there's some good uh, angles going on on Impact. I like the whole Lucha Brothers beating uh, LAX again, and LAX ripped their mask off at the end of the show. So 
They're doing that whole deal. Mm-hmm. Pretty good stuff. Juju B tagged me in a um that Fala Ball is going to be staying with the, uh, Impact Wrestling. And uh, I like Fala Ball. He, he's an entertaining character. He, he's pretty silly, but I like him. I, I think he's good for the show. Him and KM, they're pretty cool. Ooh. I think his name's KM. I always mess it up. I believe it's KM or KG or something. It's not KG, though. I think it's KM. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but they're they're good together. I never bring this up too much, but I was on Pro Wrestling Tees. Oh, I'll just yeah. give you guys some, uh, I'm sorry, just updates on some new stuff. Uh, Marty Skrull has a, uh, a jacket. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Path, uh, Path of Rage, uh, Taz shirt. They have some uh, like old like Converse style uh, sneakers that are like, they're pretty sweet. They're under 25 bucks, but they're pretty sweet. There's an Eddie Guerrero one. I don't know who Britt Baker is, but he's got a cool shirt. The Doctor Will See You. Flip Gordon. Oh, a, that's, a, that's a girl, actually, I think. Oh, okay. Who the hell is Stang? Stang? Yeah. <laughs> Are they just doing like a uh, a play off of uh, the southern way of people saying Sting? Yeah, it looks like Sting. Like logo, but it says Stang. That's very odd. I guess it's just the play on words. Kingdom shirt. Matt Tape. That's a guy Troy was telling, my brother was telling me, like they're trying to make like a main guy in Ring of Honor now is mm-hmm. Matt Taven. And I had seen him for years on the uh, New England Indies, and I don't really think that's a guy you can build a company around. Oh, no, he, he does good promos and everything with the New Kingdom, him and Vinny Marcellia and TKO. I like him. Mm-hmm. Um I think he, he he feels like a star in the company. I mean, it's somebody that they could use. Basically, his whole gimmick right now is uh, going around saying he's like the real Ring of Honor champion because I guess they had a match set up with him and Jay Lethal and like it didn't happen or something. I'm not sure what happened there, but he's going around with a fake belt. Mm. I like I like him. Mm. Got to give him a chance. Does I, Troy I've like seen him for for decades? For well, like I mean. Decade. He's maybe a little bit more seasoned now. You saw him in his beginning stages. Mm. He does. He still do like an MTV gimmick. No, he's not. No, he's got his hair cut off and everything. Oh. He used to be like M- like his logo is like an MTV logo. It was like MTV Matt Taven. Oh, I, I think he was supposed to look like Polly Shore or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's a really weird Jimmy Jacobs shirt. Once upon a time, there was a zombie princess. It's like a pink shirt with like uh, Jimmy Jacobs, like in drag as a princess with his nipples out. It's very odd. I never, I never understood the zombie princess gimmick because I think he's a pretty yeah. talented guy, but, and I'm not a homophobe or nothing. I just think the gimmick's terrible. Yeah, I don't get it either. Uh, Galgo13 comments. He says Arn Anderson won't be telling Randy Orton to slow down anymore now that he's gone from WWE. Yeah, that's sad. What do you think about that? Um, I, I don't understand why they would uh, let him go. I mean, he seemed like that'd be a good guy for the young talent to talk to. Yeah. I think he's like drunk all the time, maybe. Maybe, or maybe he just kept saying to everybody, gosh, dang it, you're out there hot-dogging it. 
And uh, we just, you shouldn't be doing You should slow it down. You think he was like trying, he was giving out too many cat baths? What a goof. What a goof. I was giving out the cat baths. <laughs> I've got enough semen to shampoo a horse. <laughs> what who the hell says that? Do you think, uh, do you think this is a serious question, Incher? Do you think that uh, Corey Graves could end up being the new uh, Michael Hayes? Hmm. Corey Graves could end up being the new Michael as, Hayes. As just like this guy who's like banging all the women. <laughs> um, I guess it could, but I don't know. Uh, is is he separated from his ex-wife now, or his I, his I wife? So. I believe I, so. I guess it's not his ex-wife yet. Yeah. Because uh, I I don't think he enjoys that this whole uh, part of it very well. But mm-hmm. uh, so what do you think about so the, if he gets away the, from her, he could be potentially pretty dangerous in that department. I think. So what do you think about the Taking Souls Digging Holes podcast that's coming? <laughs> I think it's just going to be Undertaker sitting there bitching about people uh, who think they know like the inside business. Uh-huh. You know, like it's just going to be, yeah, I don't really know nothing. Uh, it's just just that for like two or three hours. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Is there a limit to the amount of uh, wrestling podcasts that, podcasts that, that are hosted by wrestlers? No. You know, in a way, though, it's kind of flattering that we, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're pioneers in this industry and that all the wrestlers want to do it. So we must have did something right. Maybe. Mm-hmm. They're like, man, I want to be like the insurer. I want to like- be like Jack. Like those two goofs, we could do better than that. They might think that. Then they succeeded. <laughs> well, anyways, I don't know. There, there, there is a lot out there, but uh, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Anybody can do it. Let's see, we got some questions here from uh, from the Headyverse. One thing I'd like to mention from Impact. All just, right. Oh, uh, Don Callis announced that. Glenn Gilberti will be hired by Impact Wrestling. I like it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a segment where he came in and he was he was starting his very first day of the job. He asked for directions to where you know the the office was, and the guy gave him some directions. And he you know he kind of gave him this crazy uh, you know rundown of which way he should turn and everything. And then you could tell he wasn't getting it. And then he's like, so uh, this way? And he's like, whatever, man. And then, so then Disco just walks to a door and opens it and walks outside. And he got locked outside of the building. It was a pretty funny thing. But I like that Glenn Gilberti will be around. I think he would do well with uh, those commercial segments as if, he, if he, he would participate in those. I think he'd do really great in those. But mm-hmm. anyhow, Tony Tony Oberstar wants to know if Incher had to choose between getting sodomized by Michael Hayes or George Steele, which would he choose and why? <laughs> George Steele or Michael Hayes? Yeah. 
Like, what was is George Steele supposed to be huge or something? Well, I don't know. Uh, he, I'm, I'm, I would be dreading George Steele. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he's hairy. I guess, but I don't know. And he's dead. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess I'd go with George Steele. I don't care. I don't want Michael Hayes anywhere back there. I really <laughs> don't want George anywhere back there either, but if I have to pick, man. there you go. I always want to know how pissed do you think Vince Russo is that Bruce Pritchard got rehired by the WWE instead of him? And here is what happened with the Shane Russo thing from a couple weeks back. I'll get to that in a second. I think he's very pissed. I also think it's funny because Bruce Pritchard always said he had no, he never wanted to go back. Mm-hmm. And he wants to go back. It's the thing he wants most. Of course. Well, he doesn't want to. He's been rehired. They signed, They hired him back. Yeah, yeah. So he got his wish. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Thank you, Vince. Oh, please let me suckle upon the teat of Vince McMahon." God, that freaking guy! Like, it, it, it was so annoying just to even hearing anything that he ever said because he's just like so pro WWE. Mm-hmm. But I guess it got him his job back. Normally you have to talk shit about him though. You normally you get a, you know to make him bring you back, like we were talking about with Billy Gunn. Mm-hmm. So the other week, uh, Vince Russo claimed that he was having talks with Shane McMahon, and like there was mm-hmm. some kind of offer or something with DMs on, on Twitter. So here's quotes of of, of what he said on his podcast, where you normally would have to pay for. I know this AEW thing is starting. I know they have not done anything despite the whole McMahon family coming out. I hate Monday and Tuesdays in my life. I hate it. So I reached out to Shane and I said, bro, you know, I've always been loyal to you, bro. I've always been loyal to your family, bro. I just want to say, bro, more or less, if there's anything I can do for you, bro, like, let me know. Vince Russo on how Shane McMahon responded to him quickly. So Shane writes me back almost immediately, right? And he goes, Vince, great to hear from you. He tells me how his kids are doing. This, that, and the other thing. Blah, 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 blah. Here's what he says. You ready? I'll pass it along. So now I'm like, are you guys that ignorant? Like, seriously. Not for anything, bro. Your show sucks. Like, literally. Literally. The numbers indicate you're losing viewers on a weekly basis, bro. There's no light at the end of the tunnel, bro. You don't have that guy that's going to save the day, bro. You've got a new upstart wrestling, bro, with a lot of money. You've got a guy here who, whether you like it or not, bro, was instrumental in drawing you the highest ratings, bro. I said to Shane in the previous email, I said, Shane, not being so close to it. I have a a much different perspective, you know, bro. Sitting on the outside that might be able to help you, bro. Vince Russo getting angry over Shane's response this last part. Uh, So I wrote back to him and said, Shane, let's be honest here. Boggles my mind, bro. How, for whatever reason, you guys have never tapped into me again, bro. I know the reason, bro. I know Shane knows the reason. I know Vince knows the reason. But I'm not going to get into that, bro. I said it boggles my mind, bro, that you guys have a resource like me and you don't tap into it, bro. 
<laughs> what a bunch of bullshit. Like, why would you pay to hear? He made it seem like they asked him to come back or something. And he uh-huh. just said, he said, like, nice to hear from you. And I'll pass it along. Yeah. You, yeah. That, that that's like when you when you're paying for the the top of ASMR and you just get the tube top. Yeah, this was very very off putting. It's a big letdown. I demand my five dollars back. <laughs> I'm not complaining. Whatever, five dollars. So you didn't but get the how five much? Bucks back? No, I don't care. Uh, what, what um. What was he charging for his show? I'm not really positive. Mm-hmm. Golgo says the Vegas crowd for Impact is a drizzling shit. Is that true? Uh, they are pretty dead. Um, their crowds have been just really, really bad. Like they they went to Mexico and they're pretty good down there, but yeah, their crowds haven't been very hot. And we both said, I, I, was going, sorry. I also don't think there's a whole lot of people there to begin with, which is kind of sad. I mean, they really have, do do some stuff that I like, but they can't draw for shit. I can't understand it, but nobody cares about it. I mean, I think everybody's just tapped out on the company, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think it's unfortunate, but I think everybody has just lost hope. I mean, all these moves, and then they moved to the Pursuit, and it's like, uh, I think everybody's just tapping out on it. Weeble says that uh, George Steele would eat ass like a turnbuckle. Oh, would he? Oh. <laughs> I still don't think I want Michael Hayes back there, so. Owl says, how crazy is it that Bruce Pritchard and Conan are the same age? Bruce Pritchard and Conan are the same yeah. age? Eh, doesn't seem too crazy. Bruce kind of doesn't age, though. Like, he kind of looks the same as he's always looked. Yeah, know? that's very true. Uh, well, what's it, uh, where does For a interest, good while now. Where does interest see himself in 20 years? Is it jerking off in the bushes outside of an apartment building? Uh, is that what he's saying I'm going to be doing? He wants to know if that's where you see yourself doing Oh, I don't know. I don't know where I'll be. Beats me. Where are you going to be, buddy? In the ground. <laughs> I'm sure uh, La Blue guy's got a lot of good things going on for him. So I'm sure everything's looking bright for his future. I wonder if that's an inside story there. I'm just not getting that someone. I don't know what what he's talking about, really. A lot of it's like topical stuff. I'm I'm old. I don't, I don't know topical stuff. Byron Henderson will Vince allow Bruce enough free reign to positively impact the company? I don't. I don't. No, I, I don't. Look, I I don't dislike Bruce Pritchard, like as a, as a creative guy, really, but like, has is he really credited for like? really doing like anything like amazing nah not that i know of mm-hmm. i mean basically the brother love character is all i know him from and just kissing wwe's ass like 24 yeah. 7 i heard a clip with him last night where he was talking with him and conrad and he was talking about how you know he's worked there for so long and he, he always toes the company line and all that and it's like i don't know i just find that pathetic 
when you're not even like with a company, they they fire you and you're still kissing their ass and you're like, oh please bring me back. <laughs> well, finally worked again. Yeah, I guess it did. So good for him. What do I know? But God, that fucking guy just irks the shit out of me. Did Batista murder Fifi the maid? <laughs> yeah, she wasn't there and she wasn't like reacting, so it's it's very possible he just walked in and broke her neck. Was she <laughs> was she just in like a robe? Like a, she just looked like she walked in in her pajamas. It may have been her pajamas, but Rick was happy. Fifi was there and then she just didn't care about Rick being beat up. <laughs> She's just like man. Eh, they're wrestlers. Oh man. Uh yeah, so uh murder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well where where was she it's really strange. Like what was Fifi the Maid doing from when she was Fifi the Maid till she start till she married Flair? Like how did they reconnect? Uh, we're probably at the fan fest where they reconnected. <laughs> Because remember, she was at one of the NWA fan fests. Yeah, Flair was on the card, so I guess they probably met with each other then. Maybe you think she was like maybe like a rat the whole time? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Think she's like really wild in bed? Yeah, probably. Probably. I don't I'm know. pretty I think... sure she doesn't care that Ric Flair like uh, looks at other women and stuff. Because I've been, mm-hmm. I've actually was around when both of them were at uh, in Texas, mm-hmm. and he was just hitting on everybody and groping women and stuff, and she didn't give a shit. <laughs> Maybe she was looking to do some groping too. You know? Maybe. Did you feel any, anybody feel your ass while you're trying to get an interview with him? <laughs> no. No. See, I have been groped at some. Have you? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Uh, which is weird. Though. Someone, someone just reaches over and grabs your your dong. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. I think that's all the questions. Oh, I wish I would ask this one. I missed it to Sean Oliver. Uh, Abdullah Salih Salih asked if, if he's off his coke binges. Oh, yeah, that would have been a good one. Mm-hmm. So, you do coke allegedly? Well, that was actually a callback once on the show. I mentioned that he looked like he was because he had like a disheveled look. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of joked around. He's like, So, you you equate uh, like a disheveled like suit that I'm like doing coke? I can't remember the exact details, but that would mm-hmm. be fun. I think last time he was on, uh, it, you weren't here. It was uh, Jujube. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. And he picked on Jujube a little bit. Oh. How'd she take to it? She, she cried herself to sleep. Oh, no. That damn Sean Oliver. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have been so damn agreeable tonight. Mm. So I saw a picture of uh, old ODB. And she made like a, I don't know if she made it, but she's fondling a, as like a big snowcock. Oh, yeah. It's like a snowman, but it's a penis, like an erect, you know, cock and balls. Did she go, bam, yeah. 
Probably. That's what she looks like she's doing. Mm-hmm. Was there no audio? No, it's a still picture. Oh, I see. <laughs> ODB. She was in Ring of Honor for a little bit, but I don't know what she's doing now. So she has. Uh, she's a friend of mine on Facebook. She has a uh, uh, a barbecue uh, truck. Like she does. She has a uh, a food oh. truck. Oh yeah. Huh. She's always smoked meat. That'd be cool. Get some yeah. uh, smoked meat off ODB. Oh, dude. A lot of new uh, Impact shirts. There's a new uh, Cage shirt. Looks pretty cool. Brian Cage. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck are the Rascals? The Rascals. The Rascals, yeah. Um, that's. Did you see the clip where the one guy did uh, the flip in midair and they, the other dude pushed him and they did a pin? Yes, yes. Okay, that's the that's the Rascals. Okay, that's pretty cool. I don't like uh, their shirt, I could say, but I did like them. They do a bit where they're kind of like ripping off the that '70s show where they're like you know the smoking pot in the back scenes. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that '70s show where they do? Yeah, that? I know the show. I never watched it. Though. Yeah. Okay. Well, they they're kind of ripping that off. And Gama Singh, he came in this week with a hookah, and he uh he had him smoke that, and it like made him pass out. And he was like smoking it, and he was all right. So he's like, "This is how the real men do it." But I don't know. Pot human doesn't really do it for me. Nah, me either. New LAX shirt's pretty cool. It's like a playing cards LAX, mm-hmm. and a new moose shirt. Man, that's oh. a guy I don't hear anything about anymore. Mm, he's have a buzz going yeah. around. But. Yeah, well, he's he's with Impact, so mm-hmm. but uh. Him and uh, Killer Cross were going at it at the beginning of this show, and because uh, they're fighting over uh, <laughs> uh, designer clothing of all things, but uh, they were fighting over like who gets the shot at Johnny Impact for the for the title, which is good. But I don't see uh, they don't have a clearance section here anymore. I used to like. I am curious if they still have like the Jeff Jarrett guitar, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm seeing it. Maybe they just uh, took it. It did make them. Maybe they they listened to the show and said, "Gotta get rid of this. Gotta get rid of the Jarrett guitar." Yeah, guys are always making shame of us. <laughs> I, I think uh, they're on the Pursuit Network. They don't care. They're shameless. That's what my grandmother said. Making she wouldn't say making fun. She said making shame. I don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's probably like an old saying. Probably. I, I, I'm going to announce this though. I, I think I'm done with the impact chat. I don't think I'm going to really. Be, yeah, those marks do not deserve me. They do not deserve the king. Man, so. I thought you were going to make new friends. Nope. Those marks do not deserve the king of all marks. Dang. Were they mean to you? Were they picking no, up my answer? No, it's just it's just it moves so fast and like it's just like there's like a chat room can reach the point to where it's just like unreadable because it's just mm-hmm. going so fucking fast and it's just like it, it, it's it's unusable. Well, that's too. Uh, do you miss it? Are you sad? No, I just kind of thought this is pointless. Why am I in here? <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought I would have like a weekly report on what's going on in the impact chat, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't even want to anymore. 
Yeah. I've so, lost my will to be in the Impact chat while Impact is live on Twitch. Enforcer Arn Anderson's going to be at uh, New England Fan Fest 7. Hell yeah. Along with other horsemen, James J. Dillon. Uh-huh. Barry Windham. Ooh. Tully Blanchard. Hell yeah. Paul Roma. Hell yeah. Didn't they bury him on the, one of the horsemen? Oh, yeah. Meetings? Yeah. <laughs> what if he just started shooting on him? Just like, ah, oh, fuck you. And he just started beating them all. That'd be pretty sweet. How about Ole? Is he still kicking? Yeah, but I don't think he's in good uh, physical shape. Mm-hmm. You know, Ole does have some balls, though. He, oh, he, yeah. He could like be it. on the uh, interview with uh, Dave Meltzer, and he'd be like, you know, you're a really dumb shit. You know that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just like, how could you say that to somebody? Just like, right? He doesn't care. Yeah, I miss oh, I miss meeting Ole. I always like, get a kick out of Ole. I wish we would have had Ole on the show. Mm-hmm. I always try to get him on every year when we used to uh, promote the, the fan fest, but it never happened. Yeah. Good old Ole Anderson. Pretty sweet. Uh, by the way, um, Paul Roman friended me on the Facebook. He did? He did. Damn. I think a lot of the like the wrestlers don't like my like lifestyle or my political views. Mm-hmm. So like uh, not all of them. Some of them are pretty cool, but no, you know, people just get too upset about things posted on Facebook. It's just like, oh yeah, it's just like why, why let this bother you? I mean. If somebody disagrees with you, that's that's their opinion. Everybody's allowed to have an opinion, you know. Yeah, someone was bitching recently about the in your head. Like anytime someone make like an off color joke, and she's like reporting everybody and messaging me and Juju, and we just get rid of her. And then she was doing that on my page. She's like, "How can you let these people, you know, make these jokes?" And it's like, I don't control people. Like I can't control their thoughts and stuff. And uh, I think. I think we're going down a wrong, the wrong direction where like your intent doesn't matter. Like you can't joke about anything and people pretend to take all this stuff seriously. Like when it's clearly a joke and if you don't like it, that's fine. You don't have to follow it. You don't have to find it funny, but just cause you don't like something doesn't mean everyone else can enjoy it. Mm-hmm. There's like stuff I don't, yeah, there's stuff I don't like. But I don't say, like, you can't like it. I might joke around with you and bust your balls a bit, but I don't care which one anybody likes. <laughs> and then, you know, and in turn, it bust my nut. Do what? See, there's a big difference between busting balls and busting a nut. <laughs> Even though balls and nuts mean the <laughs> Jack, same you thing. don't have to explain this to me. Good Lord. But I mean, if I said ball, my balls or my nuts, you—I mean, they're interchangeable. But mm-hmm. isn't it weird that they that your balls and your nuts? I mean, they're your testicles. But if you're busting my balls, if you're busting my nut, it's a totally different meaning. Yeah, this is like an English lesson. Yeah, it's weird. Did Lexar call any? No, Speaking he didn't. English lesson? No, he didn't call at all tonight. Do you think he he, he doesn't love us anymore? How could he not love us? Then some dude was like, no, this whole Facebook page was just like, uh, and 
AEW Circle Jerk. Hmm. I mean, I am looking forward to it, but I mean, I, I'm just going to watch your show when it happens. I'm not going to like be, you know, trying to dissect everything. I'll just yeah, check people it out. People should just try to enjoy something, or if you don't like it, don't watch it. But people like people really go out of their way to find reasons to not like stuff. I don't even just be in wrestling. Like I'll see all these things. That's there's a new thing now where people will share like these links to like a column where it's like, you know, thirty reasons or fifty reasons why you shouldn't like this movie. And it's like, why if you like something, why should you go read something that gives you reasons why you shouldn't like it? Mm-hmm. Like why find reasons not to like something you enjoy? It seems very bizarre. Or like people trying to spoil like the next star Wars movie coming out. It's like, I just want to see it. I don't want to know. Just just let me wait and see it. I'll patiently wait and I'll go see it. People sabotaging movies by going and giving bad rotten tomatoes scores before they're out and before they see Mm -hmm. them. It's like, I don't, I don't understand that. It just seems like bizarre to me. Like, why would you, why would you do that? I saw that Paige's movie was doing good on the Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. It's weird that Rotten Tomatoes is even a thing. That's something I really don't pay attention. It's I, I that's cool, whatever. But it's just because it it almost seems like every movie does well on it, unless like it's a movie that people just like rally against to, to get it like to do mm-hmm. you know bad. Yeah. I miss the days where just like two thumbs up Cisco and Eber. Now it's like Ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Ninety-five percent fresh. What does that even mean? It's not a Rotten Tomato. Bunch of like bots just went up there and posted a bunch of fake reviews. (laughs) But you don't know what I'm saying. It could be like genuinely good, but you don't know. Yeah. I don't really venture out and watch things that I'm not interested in watching a whole lot anymore. It's like, I don't know. If I, you got to have something there that kind of like wants me, makes me want to see it to begin with. If it's something that I'm interested in or if it has Jason Voorhees in it. It's <laughs> like, you've been like, I watch it. Yeah, I'll be waiting forever for that one. I know like um, Larry Zerner was saying that they probably, uh, you know, fit, you know, settle pretty quickly because of uh, mm-hmm. the success that Halloween's been having. But I guess that wasn't the case. Yeah, uh, Larry Zerner was on uh, Without Your Head uh, last year sometime, going over the whole details. It was very cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I like that guy. Yeah, he was cool. Uh, I don't know, like. If it's not like a Star Wars movie or something, or I don't know, or some something that I'm familiar with, like, uh, or I like the actor or something, or I don't know, I don't go out of my way to watch movies much anymore. Yeah, that's kind of lame. Yeah, I don't know. You got to grab me anymore before I want to sit down and watch your film. I like watching new stuff. I don't <coughs> like to be st- stuck in the past. Um. I'm not saying like uh, I love uh, going to movie. I love going to movie festivals and watching movies I know nothing about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fun to me. No, nah, not really. That fun to me. 
You just want to watch what you've seen, play what you played, eat what you ate. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. Once you know you like it, that's it. That's it. I'm, I'm content. <coughs> but yeah, in a few weeks, I'll be going to a Boston Underground Film Festival. I'm looking forward to that. Went right. last year, had a really good time. Again, this year, I've uh, rented a, a bed and breakfast. Cambridge is not a cheap area to stay in. Get myself a little fancy bed and breakfast, like a fancy lad incher. Mm. I've never stayed in a bed and breakfast. Hopefully it goes well for you. Yeah, it looks nice. Get the breakfast and a bed and a shower. It's all I need. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you want to come out, you can, enter, but, uh, you know, I only got one bed to catch my drift. <laughs> yes, I I believe I know where, what you're uh, going for, but... <laughs> I might be going to Virginia later this year. Are you would are you upset that I'd go to Virginia instead of the the West Virginia? Mm. Do people hurt. in Virginia have like a do they hate like Virginia or do they see it as like inferior or anything? I'm not sure. I'm not for Virginia. I don't know. I'm from West Virginia. I know. I said do people in West Virginia like look down on Virginia? They're like. That's fucking Virginia. It's not West Virginia. Fuck them. No, I don't think there's any stigmatism there that we we look down on people from Virginia. No, not that I know of. Maybe if I live closer to the border of Virginia, maybe there's some of that. But no. I'm not sure who this is. Uh, T-Bone J-Bone says, it reminds me of the guy in the new beginning with the candy bars. In the new beginning with the candy bars. Oh, oh, oh. Yes, um, the, the, oh, what's his name? Uh, the, the guy that gets killed by Vic in the beginning. Oh, he gets his arm cut off. Yeah, like Vic, like he offers him candy and then, uh, he's like, and then the guy's like, leave me alone. And then he runs at him with the axe and chops him up. Yeah, he just died, that guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Juju made that, uh, claim to me too. And, I said that she reminded me of uh, the big busty girl that's in the film. Really? Yeah. But, uh... Did that get uh, you going? No, not really. I don't like being compared to the guy who just got murdered at the beginning of the... <laughs> who, who, who finds it appropriate to offer uh, chocolates to people who, you know... I think I'm pretty good at reading people. Uh-huh. Like, I can pick up whenever somebody's getting annoyed or anything, for the most part. Mm-hmm. I feel I'm very skilled at that. But, uh, so, yeah, I think I would pick up on the social cue that Vic didn't want me talking to him at that time. So, I don't agree with that. I don't think I look like, uh, God, I can't remember his name. I can't remember the character's name. It's bugging I remember, me. We almost had him on the show back when you were on Without mm-hmm. Your Head. And he we, we he wanted us on his show. He's doing a radio show, which I'm glad we didn't up, didn't end up doing because it came out like he's like a pedophile. Yeah, I didn't know that at the time. Oh, I didn't know either. Yeah, I mean, we did interview a pedophile, which I didn't know at the time. Even though it was like out, and he did you know prison time. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Just goes. Yeah, Brian did not know it. Bad times. So we've interviewed at least two known pedophiles. 
Uh, you referring to rock and roll? Yeah, Buck Zumhoff. And, I mean, it's not like a, it's probably not something we should put on a resume. No, I don't think so. They interviewed like several Jason Voorhees and two known pedophiles. <laughs> not a good time. Who was it? Uh, one of the Voorhees died recently. Was it Dash? Yeah, Stephen Dash. Is that one of your favorites? Uh, no, the one before that that died. Uh, he was my favorite, Richard Brooker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I liked him really well from Part Three. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He just had like a very menacing kind of look, and then I'm also a big C.J. Graham fan. And uh, Kane Hodder's cool, but like he's almost like over the top. For yeah, me. I agree. I agree. Like. Um, I, it's cool that he played. Good, it's cool that he played him so many times, but yet I don't know. Who'd you say? His documentary is very good. It's on um, Amazon Prime, I think. Oh, is it? Um, to Helen back? Yeah, it's very good. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 Richard Brooker all the way. He was my favorite Jason. So mm-hmm. I also liked. Uh, who was another one? Uh. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably those two, Richard Brooker, then C.J. Graham's probably my second favorite, and then uh, probably uh, Stephen Dash. He he was pretty good. Uh, T Bone says, "Could Incher live in the Funny Farm?" Uh, in Pinehurst, is that what he's referring I guess to? So, yeah. <laughs> um. I don't know. That would be pretty tough. Uh, they let you go the... outside, though, so it's not too bad. Yeah, they do let you go outside, but then you got a crazy guy and his mom, <laughs> Ethel, coming yeah. around, threatening to kill you and chop oh, you. Oh, I'm going to have him on the show, uh, Junior. Is mm-hmm. it Junior? Yeah, I think it's Junior. Junior. Awesome. And yeah. <laughs> that would be so weird. There's like a, there's like a greaser like guy. Uh, like yeah. these... Crazy hillbillies. <laughs> Nothing. It Nothing is all over the place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty I kinda I enjoy it more now that I watched it recently <laughs> for do some interviews. Yeah, I mean it's not like a great movie, but it's very just crazy and it's fun. it is fun. The director of it he used to be a pornography director, like kind of like a soft core porn director, so <laughs> they hired him to do that for some reason and he uh yeah. <laughs> they said like some of the scenes, like he was screaming, like uh, the ones in the woods, the big busty, yeah. and he was like screaming. Deborah Voorhees, I believe. Yeah, he Deborah Sue Voorhees. Yeah, and he was screaming like "fucker, fucker." <laughs> and Frank Mancuso was like, uh, he, he said, "Oh God!" Like he was so embarrassed at that scene, like uh, like while they were filming it, and he was just like, "Oh geez, what did I do?" <laughs> But, it, you know, it is kind of a funny movie for, you know, it's kind of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. It's just like, it's not like a good sequel if you're like you're a real fan of the movie. Mm-hmm. But, like, it is just funny just to watch, like, what all the crazy shit they do, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I will say in Part 5, there are moments that I think are pretty cool, but. I, I, think, it's, I think it's a fine movie. I don't think it's, like, great, but I think it's it's fine. It's good. It's a I good like the, uh, slasher. Spikes at the end, I think, are pretty cool. And Reggie driving the uh, 
freaking uh, oh, uh the, the farm uh, dilly bob there. Oh God, who's the who's the black guy with the cowboy hat in uh, Jason Goes to Hell? Like something Dukes, uh, yeah. Creighton Dukes. Dukes. He was yeah. he's in the new season of uh, True Detective. He popped up. I was like, God, that's something. And then I was like, Holy shit, it's Creighton Dukes. I was like, oh my god, he's like in a real show. Like uh it's like wow, that's crazy. It's <laughs> a weird guy just to pop up in like, you know, a pretty big show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you talk, you dumb. There you go. Go all go thirteen. Uh-huh. There's his line. Uh my mama's gonna cut you into itty bitty pieces, my friend. <laughs> Uh, uh, my, I had uh, Adam Marcus on last year Who directed uh, Jason Goes to Hell mm-hmm. And a very fun interview And like ever since then It's always like one of the top uh, downloaded shows Every week people just keep going back to it Heck yeah well, he, has a, yeah, he has a new movie out um, Secret Santa It's a Christmas horror movie And uh, they're making a Jason Goes to Hell Documentary it's coming out soon so that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. That's probably my least favorite movie of the series. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I always did dislike it. Then I watched it again for the interview. And I had a lot of fun watching I can't say it's a good movie, but I had a lot of fun watching it. It's so just batshit crazy that uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, on that, You know, in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it would probably be the bottom of my list for Jason's movies. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry to say, but oh, that's I'm fine. I don't care. not a fan of the whole shape shifting thing and and all that. And but you know, everybody's got an opinion. Oh, of course, because I don't really think any of them are good, but <laughs> I can enjoy them. Like, mm-hmm. like I mean, I, I know like where they kind of fall and like you know. Like goodness scale, like I don't know how to explain it, but you know, I know it's not like this is like gone with the wind, you know. I mean, I, I know it's not like, yeah, I mean, I enjoy artfully it. tasteful type of movies. I mean, sure. I get it. All right, and anything else you want you want to blab about? You want to talk about? No, I could blab about a lot of things, a lot of things indeed. But I do want to uh, invite everybody to check out my Twitch channel very soon. I may have a very special guest on one of my uh, Twitch streams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's going to be on a Jujubee? Nope, nope, nope. Don't think so, but she'd be great on there if she'd want to come on. Billy Mitchell? Nope, nope. It's a secret. It's a secret. Who is that a vampire guy? Like Voorhees Dracula? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't think he's up for it either. Uh, but uh that that was a swag Dracula. Uh, but I I don't even know him. He he ran me over with a car on Friday. Oh, I was like, holy fuck. And then I repaired Twitch, the car. This Twitch and... gets serious. <laughs> like, oh. And then I repaired the car for him, and then he, uh, we, we both got in the car, and he ran over another person. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we, 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 I just happened to be in the game that he was playing one time. But he is a pretty funny character. But 
I tried to add him and he didn't add me back. So <laughs> I don't know. Fuck him now. <laughs> Actually, though, I take that back. Uh, I love him. <laughs> I, 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 the, the the Twitch policies are coming into my uh, mind right now, so I could be banned from Twitch just for saying that. I think. Oh, so I apologize. I didn't mean politics it. here on the Twitch. Yeah, I know. Like if you talk bad about another streamer, but that wasn't serious. So live uh, Thursday will be very cool. <laughs> Excuse me. William Crane, the director of Blackula, and also the director of Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde, which I am about to watch before the interview. But uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. Mm. And coming up here on In Your Head Insure, we're going to be having Abuda Dean, the Snake Master, who used to be part of uh, Kevin Sullivan's Army of Darkness, and Ahmed Johnson. Both will be on the, on the show very soon. Excellent. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And possibly Johnny Rods, which I don't know. Oh, yeah. Trying to get some guests here on the show. Kind of lackadaisical over the last couple of years. But let's try to get some guests back on. It's fun to have a guest. Oh, I like yeah. to mix That's, it up. Most certainly. Can, me and Intra can jabber. And then uh, maybe we'll throw in a guest here once in a while. Heck yeah. I kind of like the legends. But I'm open to having anybody on. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right, Insure. By the way, I got one more question here in the chat room. T Bone mm-hmm. J Brone wants to know how is it that Jack became so honest? And the answer is just this way, man. I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my soul that I don't like to use the word marks. I call them the headyverse. Every. Mm. Everyone out there who listens to the show via podcast, they listen to it live, they listen off iTunes, listen off to Google Plus, if they listen to it, uh, Spotify, YouTube, however it is. Members of uh, the Facebook group, members of the old message board, members, followers on the, on the Twitter machines, everyone out there, you're all part of my heart. You're part of my family. I don't think of you as marks. I think of you as friends, as blood. And I would owe you nothing but the God's honest truth in every fiber of my being. And that's what I give to you. I expect the truth back and I give it to you in whole. I love the hitty voice. And I love Intro. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. I love you too. Sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, your bitch.
Choked up inside, and I blamed it on that frog in my. 